Hey there, this is Ross Holliman from the Album Cockpit Podcast, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Chewie, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. You've seen the show, and like us, you have questions. Ooh, that was a good one, but try this one on for size. No question should be left off your list. Whoa, 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 I got a crazy theory, but hear me out. But you better have some spares. Oh, that was one of mine. All right, let's do this instead. With me, as always, is my friend and Card Squadron winger. This is Greg Cass, a.k.a. Ion Cannon. We've recorded at home and across the U.S. Last summer, we were from the Boston Common. This week, we're in Chicago. This is day three of celebration. The show has had many names, but the purpose is the same. Let's share some time at the table. Ding, ding, it's time for breakfast. Welcome to The Breakfast Pack, a Rebel Base Card micro-podcast series. A Star Wars insert podcast series that asks more questions than it answers. This time, between Star Wars shows. Today on Hot Stove Breakfast Pack number 65, we're asking questions on the Ahsoka series, which premiered woo, way back, what, August? Is, am I thinking that? Was that? How long ago was that? It, my my co-hosts yeah. are just nodding their heads. Um, yeah, so that <laughs> this is what we're bringing to the table tonight, folks. But that uh, <laughs> what, what you're hearing in the background, uh, much like holiday leftovers, we've had our fill of Ahsoka, and we're going back for more. That's right, because we are going to start that diet tomorrow. Uh, I am curious now that we've had some time, if there are still lingering questions, comments. Uh, no Wade talk tonight. Um, that's another show. Um, but if you have anything going forward, we're, this is one of those where we're just going to leave it all on the table, and then we're going to, much like the, the Thanksgiving turkey, you're going to freeze what's left and hopefully use it for sandwiches later. Um, all right, so joining me on this Disney Plus Hot Stove Talk, um, we're still testing this show title, so um, we'll, we'll get back those results from Des Moines at some point later on. Um, once again is my co-host, Card Squadron Winger and lightsaber taper upper uh gregory cast from ion cannon uh, who's playing with his variant uh, high republic comic book and lightsaber greg it's good of you to come in and uh how's the holiday season treating you hello hello uh good to see you my good friend uh i'm doing all right uh we are in the space where i am just about on winter break i have one more set of classes to teach as we record this so um i am kind of checking out which is a beautiful <laughs> way to feel as we get into the season of good movies and good books to get those stats up for the end of the year all this wonderful winter break stuff ahead of me so excited to talk a little more ahsoka it's been um i don't know some mysterious person who maybe will be introduced next just pointed out a lot of podcasts who skipped ahsoka during the the strikes have now returned to the show so that my podcast feed has been very full of good Ahsoka conversations to binge. And it's really fun to hear what some of those wonderful Star Wars commentators think about it after having sat out for the initial round. So uh, yeah, excited to, to add to that with everybody here tonight. 
Excellent. And, you know, since it is a hot stove uh, show, we can also talk about the uh, recent move of Juan Soto from your San Diego Padres to the New York Yankees. I know I've got at least one another AL East person in here. Nobody likes to see the Yankees getting stronger, uh, and it's a shame to see a West Coast team. You know, we're already going to lose Shohei Atane from the Angels. So, you know, Southern California is uh, reeling. Uh, unless you're a Dodger fan, and then, of course, the Dodgers, like the Yankees, reload. So there is your baseball hot stove talk. Uh, that's not the podcast you tuned into. However, I'm going to put it out there. So just a little hot stove talk. But anyway, the other person who's smiling and was nice enough to join us, although we do have some other guests, hopefully, that will join us as we go along, is Jen Subchakchai from the Long Take Substack podcast. And I don't know what else she's doing, but ever uh, she, they have been she's been podcasting like a demon uh, lately because I keep seeing the feed go up, and uh, I am kind of excited to get back. I know it's Oscar season, and your fingers are probably just like sore from typing. Jen, welcome back to the show. And uh, how's it been for you this holiday season? Yeah, uh, thanks, Greg. I, I mean, I was gonna say, isn't that enough? I don't need to be doing more things than that. <laughs> like, that sounds it doesn't like work to very me. well when I try it. I know that's for sure. Uh, but it, yeah, it's been it's been a minute since I've been on the show, so it's really I'm really happy to be back. I, I missed you guys during the original Ahsoka run, um, so uh, yeah, and ready to ready to go back to it. Yes, it, it between grading all day because it's finals period for me, and I'm desperately trying. Like I'm the only one standing between me and my winter break <laughs> at this point. Um, just my procrastination; it's the only thing I can blame. And um, you know, between that and award season, which is really heating up and kind of consuming, especially my podcast listening life, um, it, you know, it Ahsoka seems like a, a fever dream that I'm not sure actually happened. <laughs> so I'm really glad to get back into it today. And no, it's been fun because it's like, you know, I'm I haven't had a chance to see some of the movies and you know, like you know, I'm still I haven't seen the Marvels yet. Haven't seen Napoleon yet, although I'm I'm being I'm. I'm I'm being told by my producer that just wait for it to come on on <laughs> on TV. Um, but you know, we also had Loki that came like right on the heels of Ahsoka, and it's like you just went from one one dream state to another. And so yeah, it just seemed like it was. Yeah, you know, it's a hot minute since Ahsoka was on, and I know we I talked about in the uh, in the previous breakfast packs that I kind of wanted to do this, and I know we had some guests that you know just you know, scheduling things like that. And of course it's the holidays, but uh, hopefully we will have other guests uh, join on and uh, we will introduce them as they appear. But it is kind of nice to start off with three of us. Um, I was kind of excited, Jen, that you and Ross had a chance to do like a season co-hosting stint on Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Zare. Um, Since we're kind of like, I think that was a good place to start. How did that kind of go for you? And how did you feel about how that the format went? Well, when I said that Ahsoka felt like a fever dream, that that ex- experience on Coffee with Kenobi definitely was a big part of it. Um, not only because, you know, it's 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 honor enough to get kind of called up there for one episode here and there, but to be on there every week, uh, especially with Ross, uh, was a total joy and and honestly was very time consuming because it was more like you know the episode would drop. I'd frantically try to watch it as fast as possible. I try to prepare my notes. And I really backed myself into that academic corner by having to come up with some sort of like profound <laughs> esoteric quote that would apply to the episode perfectly every week. And so doing that on top of all my other normal, 
you know, my job and all my normal stuff uh, What was a lot, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was so fun. Um, and, and I really felt like this is it. I'm like, this is the opportunity, not just to be on Coffee with Kenobi, obviously, but because I love Ahsoka as a character so much, I was like, when am I ever going to be able to do engage with Star Wars in this particular way mm. ever again? Right. Maybe when there's a season two, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, like that's, that's really what it <clears throat> excuse me. That's really what it felt like at the time that I was like, I can't I can't let this pass by. I have to go in it all all in. And on that, you know, one nice thing, like when when Greg is on and we're doing like the breakfast packs, right, which are separate from the main show. Uh, and I'm doing a bunch of recording this weekend because the wife is out of town. And I'm just like, you know, as much as I can record and put up there and edit. Um, but it, one thing I do like, you know, Greg's awesome to do a show with. And it's really nice because you get on, but it's but that, it's I, that, yeah, I know he's sitting there like, Ugh. I was going to say, yes, he is. I can, I, I'm like one of the few people who can also attest to that. But I've never, I like, it's, it's a whole different ball game and it makes, it's like, it really keeps the show, you know, regular. Like, you know, when, when you're podcasting, you're doing this for a while. It's like, it's one thing if you're, you know, if you're coffee with Kenobi or your cantina cast or all these folks who've done it for a very long time, you know, Wampus Lair, you know, those who just, they, they do it so regular. Um, but you know, like when you, you have, you know, all this other stuff going on, it's, it's almost nice sometimes to have the show because it's that regularity. It's almost like you can put your clock to it. In this case, you know, we were scheduling this show and we're trying to find times, but it's like, you know, I know there've been shows that Greg and I've done. It's like, okay, the show's dropping here. And then you kind of go like Sunday come around, like you release the show and like, ah, and then Monday comes along and Greg going, when are we doing it this week? And I'm like, ah, all right. And I'm sitting there like trying to figure out something on our schedule, but it is, you know, and then once the show is done, it's just sort of like that rubber band that snaps back and you're just like, all right, I have nothing to keep me. I have nothing to keep me focused for a while. And, and other things kind of pop up. And of course the holidays, that's another reason why we're recording this, but you know, you got to kind of figure that as way as well. I mean, Greg, you are probably the most, um, the busiest non host guest <laughs> out there but how do you how, like you have obviously done more podcasts lately you know over the over the months sure. it's like rolling thunder and you keep doing more shows <laughs> let me ask you this if we want to get a little inside baseball but kind of before we get started and this is a, it's gonna be a long show um how has this kind of schedule worked for you as far as like i'm gonna hop on this show and then maybe i'm gonna hop on another show it's come a completely a 180 how have you kind of worked it into your life as it were yeah, well, it's really important to be okay at everything and good at nothing, um, because then you just don't have the commitment that you all seem to have for it. Um, no, it's it's a joy. I mean, um, being on long take with Jen um, most weeks, not not every single week, and then uh, popping onto these shows. This is just legitimizing what I'm doing anyway. Um, you know, on long take review, I'm going to the movies uh, and usually by myself. Party of one at the movie theater, which <laughs> is the way to do it. There's no shame in it. Um, and then it's like, I don't have somebody to talk to about it. So it's like, well, let's get on a Zoom and talk about it on air and, and get to discuss it. And this time of year, I, I, uh, Jen and I both love the summer blockbusters, but the fall movies you really need to chew on. And some of the ones that have been out lately, um, I, I am ahead of Jen on Saltburn, which is the weirdest movie. And I need to talk to somebody about it. So I keep pressuring, like, <laughs> come on, we got to get that episode going. Um, and, you know, uh, I, 
am able to do all my podcasting efforts because of my wonderful and talented wife who uh, lets me come down to the basement and talk to people on microphones. And also because I don't do any of the actual work. <laughs> I turn on my microphone, I talk a whole bunch, and then I walk away. And I just, you know, I, I give it a nice hand slap and uh, walk walk upstairs and go to bed. So uh, it's a pleasure to, to contribute to all of them. Um, uh, through the glass columns, the, uh, you know, redheaded stepchild we're not mentioning my third show um we are cruising along into the fourth book of the wheel of time somehow already so um and we start that next week and my co-host tells me we'll be reading it until august because it's over a thousand pages so two chapters a week until august i believe so uh it's it's all really fun and it's it's a great excuse to to keep up with relationships and hang out and have fun. And so it's, it's all a pleasure. Um, and you know, it is funny just to switch us back to the the main topic here. It's like Ahsoka was such an active part of my life. Like you're both. And then it's like, I, I, I loved Loki. I fell head over heels for Loki. Mm-hmm. And it really has kind of erased Ahsoka from my mind due to no fault of, of the show or the quality and so I will say seeing last weekend, I believe it was San Francisco Comic-Con with all the cast out and Instagram had everybody sharing the videos and photos. And then I think they popped into Lucasfilm and did some photo ops. It's like it's so much fun to see everybody's joy. And now that everybody's posting about it and talking about it, it it was a really special thing this fall. And one of my fears as we get more and more Star Wars is we forget to love and celebrate things enough before we just move on with our lives. So. Um, and it's an important thing. Greg, what have you been doing in your Ahsoka life lately? Have you thought about this show more? Have you been doing a rewatch, did I see? Um, I have, let's see, I think it's episode six going on right now. Because, yeah, I started a rewatch. You know, like, the the main thing this last week was, like, you know, my wife, and it was going to take, would be able to take a trip to Paris. And I was like, I'm, however, the the travel agent. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, I got to get your, make sure you've got a hotel that's lined up. And she had like a three hour uh, wait, you know, well, the plane was getting ready to take off at O'Hare. And then all of a sudden it went down and they had like a three hour maintenance delay. Um, so Oof. like I'm sitting there going, please don't cancel this flight because I just did one of those non-refundable <laughs> hotel bookings. Um, so kind of getting her, her going. And then, um, yeah, my daughter went from volleyball to now bowling and mock trial. And so, you know, you have matches and things like that. And, trying to you know trying to be there for that which is really kind of cool um but it is one of those things like it is it is a grind and you're like okay am i when am i leaving work today so you know (laughs) to have to to have this like a little break this weekend because i know once we get another you know another week down it's all like all wrapping all you know all putting stuff under the tree from here until the end of the you know like what's nice is you get like i don't know about you but like the school year starts like the eighth or ninth uh for us and so it's like you get like a two week break uh, and, you know, it's going to be nice because then not everybody needs to be driven places here and there. And you can kind of like relax a little bit. And yeah, in the holidays, it's kind of a nice to, you know, some of these shows to kind of release and, and uh, have some things for people to listen to and talk about. And especially rewatches like, you know, now I'm like, I don't know how many films behind because what the, the Paper Moon uh, film I have, I have yet to see. But I know it's it's some of these things. Flower are like Moon. Two, Killers, yeah, of fla- the Flower Killers of Flower Moon. Killers of Flower Moon. Um, yeah, Paper Moon was another another movie, I think. But you know, <laughs> that's really that's old. <laughs> that's really old. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of like, wow, now my my theater deficit time is just going up. 
you know, I think you think my credit card's bad. No, how many how many hours I need to be spending in a theater? But you know, with some of the streaming tie-in, and I was listening to somebody else talk, another podcast talk about it. It's like the pressure comes off to see it if you know it's going to be on a streaming service, and mm. you know, especially I think I don't know, like if that's impacted like the Marvel movies <laughs> to the chagrin like, of theaters everywhere. <laughs> yeah, to the chagrin of theaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas I wouldn't mind going seeing Napoleon for like the spectacle of it all, as everybody now is like shaking heads, going no. Um, you know, or seeing a Scorsese movie in the theater, you go, oh, I'll just get it on streaming or, you know, the Marvels, which I would like to see. And I've already had part of it spoiled. And you're like, well, that's what you get for not seeing it on day one. But it's weird that you don't necessarily have that. I want to see it on day one. Unless, of course, you're like, Jen, I'm like, I got to write about it. I got to review it and I got to see it. And Greg's like, <laughs> I go here anyway. You know, I think they probably know you on a first name <laughs> basis at your local theater, Greg. Like, oh, you again. <laughs> But how, how do you feel about, like, the immediacy uh, of, like, going in versus, like, just waiting? Or is there anything that you're going, eh, I'll catch it? Or do you feel like you have to see it all in the theater? I could jump in there, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's the sort of the the feeling that you're experiencing with everyone else. And I think that's partly why the Star Wars uh, Disney Plus series and the Marvel ones you know, you know, crit your your critical meter may vary for for all of them, but I think what's been really nice is that since they are doing weekly drops on streaming and withholding the episodes, so it's not like the Netflix model where they're dropping all the episodes mm -hmm. like Stranger Things and people are watching at different times. It really feels like we're having a communal experience, and I feel like you know, for Greg and I, we we follow the Oscars race. If you're an, like an awards journalist or a critic or someone who cares about that sort of thing it's the same thing it just no one else is doing it along with you right like so so i think for <laughs> for us that's sort of the that's the sense of urgency to be like oh i gotta go i gotta go watch this movie opening weekend so then i can listen to five podcasts break it down for me right <laughs> um and so you know it just it kind of depends on you know what what flavor of that experience you want um but we're we're doing it on both both in theatrical and streaming um, I feel like it was less so with Loki. I don't know. I just, it felt, I don't know if because podcasts weren't really talking about it or, or because it was so in the shadow of so Ahsoka, like, I think they didn't even wait a week before they dropped the pilot. Um, no, it was like that one, two days. Yeah. But yeah. That I, I think Loki, I completely agree, Jen. And I think Loki suffered from, um, secret invasion being so abominably mm. bad that, um, once that, had burned a lot of Marvel fans. Well, and, and to your point, Greg, I do think that the Marvels as a film suffered a lot. It, it's actually really good. It's not perfect, but it is way better than its reputation will, will grant it. But I think those were, you know, three characters and two of the three people met on Disney plus. And so people said exactly what you did, which is, yeah, I'll catch it when it's on Disney Plus. It's not that bad. It's kind of silly, but people's TVs are really great now, and it looks really good to see something projected at home. So, you know, I will uh, always uh, just abuse my AMC Stubbs membership um, and go to the movies for free. And I like to get out of the house, and I do like the communal aspect as as Jen shares. So, um, you know, it's always a, a positive, but. You know, and, and again, to think about Ahsoka, where we have that culture where every 
week we would all be counting down to okay has everybody seen it is it free to talk spoilers now and oftentimes we were really afraid to talk spoilers until things got you know on for a, a couple days but that's the beauty of the communal experience and i think star wars fans are really lucky to have that again it would sure be great to see one in the theater though uh more than just one episode of a tv show but but yes it's a it's a good time it's a shame because the one person that's not on this panel tonight who actually did see Ahsoka in the theater, uh, Mr. Ross Holliban, was not feeling very well tonight. I know he said he slept. Mm. Um, you know, when he talked about something like sleeping like about 14 hours, I'm like, can I have some of that? Because I really wouldn't mind <laughs> like one of those back in college where, you know, you go to sleep on Tuesday and all of a sudden it becomes like Thursday or something. I don't know if you guys had one of those, but I remember, you know, like on, on a low week where you, you're out maybe a little too late and all of a sudden you wake up like, oh, wait, what day is it? You know, in, in the thread. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, look who just happened to hop on. I think we've got one half of the Star Wars Reactions podcast, David Motters. Uh, there will be no dad jokes here, only other bad jokes in here. But I wanted to say <laughs> thank you for coming on. And um, uh, thank you because we're kind of like we're going over the last little vestiges of Ahsoka. We just got done talking a little bit about streaming versus, you know, going to the theater for some of this. But I did want to ask, David, how are your holidays going? Good, good. Um, Aaron and I recorded last night. We did a vintage reactions. Uh, we're going through Ewoks. We never watched it back in the 80s. Oh, I don't wow. know if all you guys did. Um, did Did you do it, Greg and Greg and Jen? I don't know if you guys watched that. I I was smack dab in the middle of high school and and just was not watching Saturday morning cartoons anymore. So we're we're just periodically watching it. I don't know if you did you guys watch it? Did you watch Ewoks? The, are you talking about the cartoon or the the two yeah. made for TV movies? No, no, the the, the cartoon. Oh, um, I would say that it was it was a tough go because the droids and Ewoks came out. Yeah, you're right. Um, I was in high school. There was a lot of it going on, and you know, you were kind of coming off like you know, Greg was you know, Greg kind of comes in after Return of the Jedi, so he comes right. in during those dark times. But you know, the dark times kind of also started with. Like, oh, this is what we're getting now? Because the comic, there was also tie-in comics as one. Well, you're like, you know, it's just one of those where it just wasn't for me. Um, I appreciated what they're doing, but it was not something I was that interested in. I didn't even know on droids that Boba Fett made an appearance. Um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, I think going back now, and that's one of the nice things, you know, it's a nice tie-in to Disney Plus about seeing some of these things or just like, hey, you know, you're not talking about like maybe seeing it a couple months later. You're going, you know what? I've never seen X, Y, and Z. You know, uh, Greg, Jen, have you ever seen like the the Ewok movies, Caravan of Courage and uh, Battle for Endor? Have you ever seen those? I did a while ago, and I can't remember when and under what circumstances. But I was going to say when the the Ewoks series came out, I believe Greg and I were two. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> 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 um, so we definitely missed that the first time around. Um, but I think, you know, what's really interesting that you're making me think of in terms of Ahsoka is can we tell even now sort of how this is the legacy of this mm. season or this series is going to be, you know, many years from now when when people are people going to be talking about the way that they're talking? We're talking about the, these Ewoks shows. Mm. Mm. 
Um, so I will. I encountered the cartoons on DVD. Uh, somewhere in the Ooh. middle of the DVD boom, they released not the whole series, but like a two or three disc set of droids and Ewoks. I'm guessing it was around 2004 when the original trilogy and uh, first hit DVD. Um, and I encountered it there. And that's when I was a college student and it didn't land well with me then um i watched i watched a few of them with my my kids now when they hit disney plus and it, it went uh pretty well i will say it has uh the fame or infamy of being um the first star wars toy i ever owned was i went to a birthday party and got the animated style wicket in the goodie bag and I didn't know who it was, and I didn't understand what the character was, but I hung on to it, and I was just looking in my drawers, and it's somewhere in this general area. But I still have that, so my uh, my first ever Star Wars toy is is an animated oh one. I've been told if that was in the package, I could have gone to college on it, but it was <laughs> well loved by the time I got to be that age. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm also curious, Greg, as uh, like if what the kids' reaction to like say Ewoks or droids versus the new, what is the new high Republic cartoon? Uh, young Jedi adventures. Um, they're loving that. Um, you know, I think fans who are not children will probably be like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really click. But, um, my kids really love the three. It is very much a ripoff of other popular children's shows. Um, PJ masks and Spidey and friends, Disney has decided let's just paint it Star Wars or paint it Marvel and totally works on my kids and they have a great time and they learn a lesson or two. But um, yeah, my kids are eight and three and we've gone through just about all of them. I think there was a batch that dropped like two or three weeks ago. We haven't quite finished yet, but uh, but they're a hit. And, um, you know, to them, that's just all Star Wars. Um, I said in the car yesterday my daughter said she was going to try to do something. I said, you know, Yoda says do or do not. There is no try. And she said, master Yoda doesn't say that. And I was like, well, the fact she said master Yoda, I knew she was referencing young Jedi adventures and she's right. He hasn't said that on young Jedi adventures, but you know, I got some educating to do. I'm, I'm sorry. I've let you all down by having her not understand canon well, but I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> this is when you grab him by the collar and you go, all right, just for that, you're going to sit and watch two hours of Empire Strikes Back. No, we're not starting <laughs> at that scene. We're going to start at the beginning and work our way down. Um, <laughs> Jen, what about, like, do your, are your kids old enough to kind of like, do they sit and, and watch any of that stuff on Disney Plus? Or are they just, is it too, too busy being just awesome kids? They, they are very uh, pro-Mando. Uh, but I don't want them to actually watch this whole series, uh, The Mandalorian, because I feel like they're they're content wise they're not quite there yet. Um, so what we do is that we look up uh, Grogu montages on YouTube, <laughs> and they'll sit there and watch that like like an hour. Like they'll just be like, "Give us more more baby Grogu." Um, so that that's sort of their orientation to it, I think. And then um, I have a huge Funko Pop collection, so they're. That's 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 probably their primary interaction with Star Wars is like, why does mom keep getting more Star Wars toys in the mail? Um, <laughs> but and, and yeah, and I think I tried Jedi Adventures and I think my my daughter, who's seven, was really into it. She was very pro nubs. Um, mm. And and but my younger son, he's four, was it wasn't wasn't particularly interested. Um, they he's more into porgs. So anything pork related, mm. his little pork costume. 
that is too small for him, but he insists on wearing still. And um, he's he wore I think he, that's what he was for Halloween last year. So and he he he's taken he is now the proud owner of all my pork fungo pops. So so yeah, they're into it, but they're on the edges. You know, what I mean, like I haven't I don't want to. I'm really afraid of pushing it on them and then them rejecting it and then wait. That's it. So I've I'm happy where they're at right now, and then slowly I will try to integrate more. No, and that's that's wise, and I think David would agree with me. You know, like you know, when kids kind of come into the picture, I mean, this is a lifetime sentence. Oh, I'm sorry, commitment. No, uh, I don't know what you call <laughs> parenting, but it seems to go on forever. And you're right. You know, it's like you ease them in because I think my kids. You know, I, I remember taking Christian, my son, to. I think his first movie was Attack of the Clones. He was months, and we had to go. We'd watch that a couple of times, and and I don't think he really could see too much. But I remember like having the plastic lightsabers when we saw Revenge of the Sith. And I think him and my daughter both were you know, like my, my daughter liked Rebels and like some of the resistance. But, you know, they just kind of like they gradually kind of move on. And, you know, I think it's kind of tough to get. And, and, and David, I'm, I'm kind of curious with your two. I'm sure you've introduced them. You know, like I, I'm sure you, you did what the good Star Wars, uh, you know, parents do and introduce them. But did any of that click? I mean, well, Clone Wars did for my son, you know, that came out at a good time for him. We just celebrated his 20th birthday on Wednesday. Wow. And of course, I got to see your son down here in Florida back in January. And he is a big fella uh, <laughs> when I got to meet your son. And so that that's a big guy. Uh, my son is is not quite as big, but but pretty big fella now. And, and, and they loved Clone Wars, took him opening day to the Clone Wars movie. All of our dads took our sons and they all had lightsabers flying. The big challenge was in the theater there in August of 2008, right? We're at the 15-year anniversary. Um, was all of us dads trying to keep our sons' lightsabers down and turned off in the movie. So they wanted them up the whole time. And so that was the whole big shindig there. But, uh, but just like you, uh, my, my daughter's 16 now. Uh, going to be 17 and they've moved on they've graduated i'm heartbroken i'm a little traumatized and uh trying to do therapy on myself um but uh, i always hope that they'll come back around uh when i think about jen and, and greg and their kids and just how fun that is to do some of that stuff uh it was clone wars was a lot of fun but they just kind of got into their own things and uh a little sad they know dad's still geeking out on it but I'm just hoping they'll come back around, right? They'll come back into the fold. I don't know. Mm. That's mm. interesting. Um, I think what I'd like to do to start off, and, you know, this is kind of like a, you know, normally for the show, for those, if, if this is your first one, you know, normally we trade questions and we will still trade some questions because we do, we have kind of like, um, you know, a little list of some lingering uh, thoughts, comments, and questions. But I did want to kind of pose this to the group to kind of get us, get us started and um, on Ahsoka, I was kind of curious about, now looking back, did Ahsoka the series um, meet your expectations at the, you know, like after, you know, like before, during, and after, did, did it meet, did it exceed, did it fall short? I know some, you know, like some folks may like it, but not like the ending, blah, blah, blah. But I'm kind of curious and, you know, I'll, I'll, let's go, let's go Jen, uh, Greg and David, we'll go in that order. Uh, but Jen, I'm kind of curious, you know, going in and, and now coming on the other side of it, did Ahsoka meet, exceed or fall short of your expectations as a series? It's interesting. I feel like in a certain way, 
it exceeded my expectations, uh, depending on the episode. I think, uh, you know, I think there's certain episodes where I was just so blown away and it, they were so special to me and I'll never forget them. And but in terms of expectations, in terms of what I thought the show would be like, I would say no. I think it ended up being a bit different. I think I carried a lot of my bias of the animated series, especially Rebels um, and, and Clone Wars and sort of like what that would what it would feel like i sort of was like expecting that this series would feel like what it's like to watch those animated series mm. and it wasn't it was it was its own thing and it was different um and so i think as as i think from talking to people during the show's run that you know other people experienced this as well there was a little bit of an adjustment period uh and i didn't go back and do a rewatch like you did because i had too much grading to do but i did have the audio playing in the background when i was doing sort of more mindless like checking off homework assignments and stuff like that <laughs> things that things that where i could be sort of split attention um and those first two episodes in particular i remember when i when i'm thinking back to when i first saw them it was a little kind of like mm, i don't know like especially with certain characters and how they kind of ported to live action uh, but, you know, going back and watching it now, having seen the whole thing, I'm like, it's all there. The, 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 like the this, this scripts for those two first, first, that first episode in particular has plants all the seeds that it needs to. Um, I think it just, you know, that that sort of shock of like having to go from animated to live action with some of these characters, I think, sort of got in the way of that, which is really interesting. So, um yeah, so it didn't meet my expectations, but I was still very, very happy with it. Interesting. All right, Dr. Cass? Uh, it's, I was in a very interesting place at the start of it, and um, I've said this before, I think, on air, but like, um, I'm not a Clone Wars Rebels guy. I don't think they're terrible. They're just not my kind of the heart of my fandom. I... Um, like other parts of the fandom better. And so I had pretty low expectations going in and I didn't think it would be poor quality or anything like that. It's just, well, this isn't really a set of characters I like. So I would say it ended up exceeding my very low expectations. And while I wouldn't put this as my top Disney Plus show um, if we were to rank them all, although don't ask that question because I haven't done that mentally yet. <laughs> um, but I would say that, you know, um, week to week, I had a ton of fun. Um, and to our previous conversation, my son had checked out of Star Wars and Marvel for a little while. And I happened to be home when I watched the first Ahsoka and was like, oh, I think I want to watch all this, Dad. And so um, right down, uh, I think the finale was um, Thursday night before um, Veterans Day. So he had off from school. So he even stayed up with me and we watched it like nine to 10 that night. And it was really fun and really special for that reason, um, getting to, to share it with him. Um, I, If I had a character I was really excited for, it was Thrawn. And I don't know that Thrawn exceeded my expectations hmm. just because, um, you know, I no complaints, but he just didn't get all that much to do, right? He kind of got to do his little mustache twirly oh i've outsmarted you this time and you're like did you uh and can't quite tell what's going on with him and i think that will pay off more later but at least at the moment with the kind of um cliffhanger ending um you know i think i think it's still a little up in in the air for me i will say um because we were we were mentioning loki in our discussion 
one of the things that worked so well for me personally about Loki is the two seasons ended up being like two halves of one big story. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that that's what Ahsoka is structured like. I think they're being a little coy at the moment, but I suspect that this will be the first half of a, a big story that then somehow feeds into the movie. So, so my hopes are high that it'll go up as kind of, we, we get to know these characters more and see more of it, but you know, I would say exceeds expectation, but is still pretty mid-level for me as as a Star Wars Disney Plus offering. David, just before you start, I, I will mention to the audience who, and I, I can't believe there's too many that haven't listened to Star Wars reactions, but Star Wars reactions started off as, you know, Rebels reactions that, you know, part of the Coffee with Kenobi network and then re, you know, resistance reactions before it just became reactions after, you know, after that, you know, everybody kind of split off. And so I don't think besides Aaron, who, if he was here, you know, I know he had other commitments tonight, um, you know, being chopper, chopper fan number one, that I don't <laughs> know how, like, you know, going in, I'm really curious, you know, you guys had lived through Rebels and, I'm curious if your expectations based off of everything you guys not only watched, but had to go through servicing, you know, in, in podcast, um, how did you feel about it before it started? Oh, we felt really good about it. You know, and Aaron, of course, his excitement geeks me out, you know, um, I'm a chop fan. I'm not as big of a chopper fan as, as him. Um, but, uh, yeah, a, a murder droid is, is, is a lot of fun. So, <laughs> um, in star Wars, but, uh, we were really excited. And I think, you know, I, I kind of, I want to piggyback off what Jen was saying. Like I, I'm a big rebels person, big clone wars person. Um, and, uh, you know, and it got me thinking that for me, this, this season did meet expectations in terms of the characters and, and, um, and all the places we got to go and, and where we went, I do agree with Greg, um, that Thrawn was was not it was underwhelming but overall I think for me and and I don't you know I listen to all your guys's coverage of uh of this all the breakfast packs and I, I love hearing Dr. Cass and and Jen and all, the whole crew here and I, I guess the thing that 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 I was curious about and this does piggyback off what Greg was saying a minute ago is in terms of Disney plus offerings I almost wish that I didn't get some of the behind the scenes thing, particularly when they talk to us about um, the volume, right? Because mm. then I started noticing it and and that just would take me out of it. I almost wish they wouldn't have told me from season one of Mandalorian. And then in this season, I started watching and the thing that messed with me a bit consistent with what Jen said was, wait, Ahsoka is not how, like, she was in Clone Wars and upbeat and snips and fun and she's, you know, down and dour and what is it? Who is this character, you know? And give me Ashley Eckstein, right? You know, what's going on here? But as it progressed and we see the transition for Ahsoka, I love that, Hayden Christensen, all that. And then just the special effects. And when I just jumped on, you know, Greg was talking about and I agree with him hundred percent star Wars needs to be on the big screen. You know, it really mm -hmm. does, you know? And so when I watch this Ahsoka series, I'm watching these scenes and it's like cinematic. Whereas like all of us remember last summer, not this summer of 2023, but summer 2022, 
and watching Kenobi and um, and just watching some of the sets. And I can't help but think, and I think you guys talked about this a bit, just the effects of COVID on it. Does it I mean, it almost feels to me like Ahsoka is the first Disney Plus series not hampered so much by COVID. Mm. I could be completely wrong on that. But it just mm. feels like it wasn't, you know, I've seen pictures of Dave Filoni with mask on, talking to Hayden Christensen, talking to Rosario Dawson, but I don't know. I just felt like more money was spent, more special effects. It was cinematic in quality. Um, I'll say this, I don't, you know, the way that Greg and Jen uh, break down characters and, you know, all the stuff they do with movies and, you know, the Oscars and you guys are so good at that. I I, I, I plead uh, uh, ignorance on a lot of that in terms of uh, the character stuff, but just overall setting down and enjoying it, I just, it was just a lot of fun. Huang was great. Um, mm. I don't, it, you know, I'm not a chopper guy, but there wasn't enough chopper. I'm a bit of a chopper guy, but but there's not enough. And uh, but overall, I just I really enjoyed it. But I I don't think I think I was in the middle. I didn't have super high expectations, not super low, but it, it met the ones that I thought. And I thought it was starting to move more cinematic. But uh, like Greg said, I'd like to see some stuff on the big screen now. I I agree on that. It's it's long overdue, and I I, I missed out. I, I missed out on getting a chance to to see that episode on the big screen. Although, you know, when we talked to Ross later, like he almost, you know, driving in three, three hours, he almost missed the chance to see something uh, on the, on the big screen. Um, but I, I would say of the group uh, of this particular group, I would say that, you know, going through rebels because clone wars didn't really click for me right away. I saw the, the original in the theater started the series and it kind of, I kind of petered out at that point. I was like, okay, the, the prequels are kind of done for me. I can, I'm going to move on. I don't need to revisit this. But Rebels, I caught back on, got back on that train, and I would say I was dying to see, you know, the Ghost Crew, probably more so a little than Ahsoka. I, you know, I hate to say it, but those are the parts that, for me, I thought, I think all, I think this, the series exceeded my expectations, and I think part of that was because I was such a big Rebels fan, even though it took me a little bit to get used to, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winston as Hera, you know, like couple shows in okay I'm on it whereas you know you know Natasha was you know as Sabine boom I I got it right away uh, and then seeing Jason and so I think there was enough there that I pent up rebels love that anytime they they mentioned something in passing I was like there it is but also getting to see you know um, you know Carson Teva back in from the Mandalorian so some of this mixing in uh, and to see you know Mon Mothma uh, it was really great to see although a little odd to see a little difference in her portrayal there as opposed to Andor. Um, but yeah, and just kind of like watching it again, you know, it's really fun now to go back and you can pick up some little things in some of the performances and, and it's, it's really an, it's enjoying to go back, but it's, you know, it's interesting that, and, and you guys were talking about Loki before. So, you know, like Greg, you were saying like, all right, I, I wasn't that into the animation. So I didn't necessarily have a lot of that, going into this that's kind of the same for me for loki like i wasn't reading the books i had no idea that some of the loki and you know like everything from like mobius to some of the things about the tva and all that or the fact that at the end that some of that did come from the books and i that kind of although i didn't read it i was kind of like oh that's really cool because they're pulling from their own ip and it's you know, yes you're you're making you know like a lot of these scripts are they have to create but i like when they kind of go back to the well and I think 
it was sort of, sort of a reverse of um, Ahsoka, but it, I don't think it really diminished my love at all. I, I think Loki is fantastic. Uh, and although it was it was a slower burn to start, and maybe it would have been nice if we'd had more of a break from Ahsoka. But by the end, I was like, I get it. I'm on the train. This is awesome. And, you know, I, I can't wait for, you know, I guess if it's two halves, you know, I, I think they really did, did such a great job. Um, so in this case, I'll say as far as Ahsoka, completely exceeded. And um, but it, it was fun. But, you know, it's kind of funny. Every any one of these series, right, you go in maybe with different expectations and, you know, I think we gave, I think we were, you know, for Andor, we had, the bar was up high, but we knew that the story was going to be really great. Whereas like Book of Boba Fett and I'll watch Snickers, you know, like I'll watch the, the Snickers across the room, not, not from this group, but I'm just saying, you know, everyone <laughs> kind of comes in at different levels and some hit, some don't. And, uh, you know, feel free to, to pick at a lot of what didn't make Book of Boba Fett work, um, but then again, you know, you come in with the Bad Batch. You know, we got Bad Batch season three coming up, uh, and and Greg and I will start that marathon once it starts. And you're like, you know, you're just waiting for the date, and you go, okay, let's mark sixteen weeks off the calendar, uh, and and plan accordingly. But you know, it's it's interesting thinking of expectations and what you kind of what baggage maybe you go into as opposed to like maybe you're going into Napoleon thinking and like this is going to be awesome, man. The trailer looks off, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. But at any rate. All right. Well, tell you what, I, I've droned on long enough. Any, any more thoughts as far as expectations or how we kind of felt about this series before we kind of start to get into some of our lingering thoughts, questions, and comments? All right. We'll also make a pact if, if Colby ends up joining. Uh, we're really going to have to get on uh, Mad Max. Um, and if, if, you're, if you're in the thread or if you're, if you're following the Colby cast, uh, there's going to be a de- this is a deep dive Easter egg that I'm planting right now. That's going to bear fruit in a few weeks. I'm not going to say no more, <laughs> but anyway, all righty. We'll tell you what, who wants to kind of throw out one of the, one of the first questions um, who, who would like, who has a burning question that, you know, that they, you know what? I didn't get the answer with all the great content and uh, uh, podcast who has something burning that we can kind of chew on here uh, for hot stove breakfast pack stickers coming. I have one. I got a question I, and, it, and it piggybacks off what we were just talking about. Like, like, like what Greg said, what Jen said, what you were saying, Greg M. Um, do you, like, I think about this, like, as I am watching Ahsoka, a good buddy of mine lives out in Orange County, uh, California and saw him back in the summer when I was out there. And um, so he texts me and he's like, Hey, you know, do I need to watch? rebels before watching this and initially i thought well no and 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 then as i start to watch this i'm like it's so much richer if you do i've heard dave filoni on some recent interviews talking about how you know he's like i don't want to be the case that you have to know the father the son and the daughter you just kind of know these monolithic figures at the end of that end of the season you know and i thought to myself well, I guess so. I guess if you didn't watch any of that, you're like, okay, what is it? That's kind of cool. He's standing on a, a big arm that's that's out, you know, pointing at something. But I guess my question is, you know, how many, what do you guys think? How many people dropped off of watching this? Because they're like, yeah, I, I can tell really fast. There's a lot of myth. There's a lot of history here. 
oh, wow, I didn't realize there's four seasons of an animated show, Rebels, that really sets the stage for all of this. Because um, some people make an argument for and against, is this Rebel Seasons 5 or not? In my mind, it, it's Rebel Season 5. I mean, I don't, it, right, I might be off my rocker, but holy crow. But I guess for me, I know how rich it was because of how much coverage I did of Rebels. But even if I didn't cover it, I love that four-season uh, series. But do you feel like people dropped off hmm. that, you know, they're not fans like all of us that I'm looking at you guys. I mean, we're, we're, we're Uber fans here. And I just, I got a sense from listening to some other podcasts that some you know, spouses, some kids and other people are kind of like, yeah, I, you know, I don't get this. You get, you feel like people fell off. I don't, I don't know if fell off would be the way I would describe it. I think they they just had a very different experience and because if you if you look at the the actual writing of the show they explain just enough to get mm. by and so i think it is technically accessible to any audience even if they haven't watched anything else right um and then don't know these characters right uh cuz there's there's enough by slip like there's enough like uh sneaking in here and there oh like you know ezra disappeared went withdrawn right like they kind of like there's enough exposition kind of sprinkled in to get to follow the plot right and the action and so i think there are certain people that stuck with it that didn't have the knowledge that we did coming into it that could still appreciate it on a certain level uh but i feel like in terms of being invested in the story and sort of like having a very like pathos driven connection with what was going on you would only be able to have if you've been on the journey with the rebels crew in particular right and and with ahsoka i would say that like while the clone wars kind of like world between worlds that yeah i can't remember which i think it's episode i want to say it's episode five uh is probably my favorite and and like really that was the thing that far exceeded my expectations and ahsoka's reunion with anakin and their conversations and all that sort of stuff but i feel like if you haven't watched them through clone wars you might be like well this is a little weird but okay right like (laughs) like, um this is kind of trippy and they're you know they're going through something obviously but but you just don't care the way that that you would if you if you have that background same thing with like you know, they again in those early episodes, the first two episodes, they do so much to sort of get you up to speed, especially with Ezra, a character we don't even see until many episodes later. <laughs> um, mm. But unless you kind of have watched through the end of Re- Rebels and especially that last season, and and know kind of what the feeling was and the sense of loss and separation between Sabine and Ezra a lot of the a lot of this story in this season of television hinges on that feeling um and being invested and caring about that feeling i know one of the biggest controversies i think about the season was sabine and sort of like the decisions that she made and whether or not those were the right decisions and like how the show sort of like treated those decisions (laughs) and whether or not like there were any consequences for those decisions in the end right um but i feel like I think it was sort of depending on us understanding, no, like she and Ezra have this have this deep bond and that explains a lot, right? Whereas if you haven't watched Rebels, like why would you you might be like, she's making really silly decisions. Why <laughs> why isn't she listening to Ahsoka? Right? 
Uh, so this is anecdotal, and I would never let my students get away with this evidence. Uh, but I, uh, I, I had a uh, meeting of my Dungeons and Dragons group. Just in case it wasn't clear, I'm nerdy enough. But we we had a D and D group meeting. Um, I think it was somewhere around episode five or six of Ahsoka. And the conversation turned to the show because we actually all met because we were Star Wars fans. And um, there was one member of our group. Her name is Lindsay. And she is not the uber Star Wars fan. as She had never seen Rebels or uh, Clone Wars, uh, had seen like all the live action shows, things like that. So so not not a nerd, but not like as hardcore as the rest of us. And the conversation was really fascinating because everything that that uh, Jen just said is like exactly where I thought I, they were like or and, and what you implied, David, is like it'd be incomprehensible. She must be quit. She must be so frustrated. And the conversation at that time anyway was like a bunch of us going like Sabine is force sensitive. Like, where did this come from? And a little bit of the conversation you both alluded to, like is this Ahsoka? Like, why is she so different? What's going on with her? And uh, Lindsay was just like, the show's great. Like, I love these characters. Like, did you see Sabine do the speeder slide? That was amazing. And and like all this really just enthusiasm for it. And so my hypothesis was completely dis- disproven that um, the, the lightest Star Wars uh, connoisseur amongst us uh, was having the best time at that point. And um, I do think Jen is right to say there was like just enough, but then... You know, I think of a moment like the ending where Ezra climbs off the shuttle and sees Hera and like uh, here I am saying like, oh, I'm not a Rebels guy. But like that hit me hard. Like, man, the the lives they've been through and, and the distance they have. And I think that moment could not have hit Lindsay. I haven't talked to her about, it, but I don't think it could have hit her as hard because she doesn't necessarily understand why those characters love each other now. All that being said, my personal problem at times were was uh, remembering how much time had gone by because it did feel like Rebel season five. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is like a year later. And then you're like, oh, no, like there, there's the great moment where Sabine and Ezra are catching up. And he's like, so the Emperor died on the Death Star and dar- like kind of comparing notes. And you're like, this is not just, you know, a longer period of time, you know, but a monumental part of time especially for all of us older fans where it's like he was gone the entire original trilogy and we're now five years after return of the jedi not just a couple years later so i think jen is correct that the show did a lot of that exposition but i don't know that the show always made it really clear how long we were talking about and i i often think they're doing that on purpose because the more concrete you are then you have to contradict it later and fans on the internet make their youtube red laser eyes on kathy kennedy videos or what have you and it's like (laughs) it's certainly not what i think fandom should be doing is nitpicking like that but i think if you leave it too vague you kind of don't run the risk of offending any everybody but you lose some of the kind of grace on it so um, so I think it's I think it's a good question and and I would not prove the case with my one anecdote, but um I suspect that I well, let me word this carefully. I don't think it was Dave Filoni's intention, but I think the benefit of the Ahsoka series is a whole bunch of like casual fans kept their subscription to go watch <laughs> Rebels in between this and whatever's next. And the 
as I understand the streaming business right now, it's all about keeping people on between your events. So uh, a good Rebels rewatch would easily last you from the end of Ahsoka till I assume the Acolyte is next whenever that appears this spring or, or summer. It's interesting because as you were talking about Sabine and Ezra, they just appeared on screen. You know, when they're in there, when they're in sort of the little caravan kind of catching things up, that exactly just happened as it's, <laughs> as it's going on. Um, but which was which was amazing. I don't know how you timed that unless, you know, somehow Greg has a line into my house uh, through through Disney. Wait, Plus. you mean while you're recording you're there, there's an episode of the show on your TV running right now? It is. Yeah. I, I didn't say I stopped my <laughs> Ahsoka rewatch. I just have to be sort of like like Jen was talking about. It's kind of going on in the background. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, well, maybe I'm going to draw some inspiration to, to uh, do some of these questions. But so I, I didn't mean to interrupt Jen. When, Jen, what were you going to say? I was going to say the, the problem of the passage of time that Greg's talking about, I, you know, and I only realized this when I knew we were going to be talking about the show again today. I feel like that is easily solved if we don't have the tense backstory between Ahsoka and Sabine. We mm. remove that. You don't. Mm. None of the things on Mandalore, right? None, none of their bad blood is a thing. And you just start the series with them being like, hey, you know what, Sabine? Maybe you would make a good Jedi. That sounds great, Ahsoka. Let's give it a try. Right. And we started fresh from there. You know, and exactly in that in that tone too. Um, you know, if we start from there, right, a lot of those scenes that we see still work. Her being antagonistic with the cup still works, right? All the lessons that Ahsoka tries to impart still works, but it doesn't have that negativity to it that I think because people because we've never seen the story that sort of is causing the the rapport that they have when the series starts that confused a lot of people and and i feel like if you just take that away and still keep all the same things that are in the show plot wise and sort of the scenes i think it works a lot better it just like it will like lift a burden off the show and obviously they probably have that in there one because in general that's good television writing is to have your characters have have a history together and have the dialogue sort of like bit by bit sort of speak to their relationship and give you clues as to like what their nature of their relationship is built on and all that sort of stuff. But, and the other thing too is like, so it ties into the Mandoverse, right? Like that's, that's, that's probably really Mm -hmm. the reason they did it was to be like, so we can in a, in one episode kind of like tangentially refer to the purge, right? Which we've seen on the Mandalorian and therefore everything is connected. Isn't that great? So, so I feel like, I feel like, if they shouldn't have given into that temptation and sort of sort of started a little bit more from scratch, I think people would have been a little bit more on board, um, especially with that that aspect of the show. I mean, how many, you know, Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney movies do we need to cite for that exact example? Like you just say, hey, let's just put on a show. Let's go show Thrawn. And then, yeah. And yeah. And you go on from there. Um, whoa. So joining us in the uh, on the panel um because you know that's what you just do on a Friday night when you're us. Uh, you know, a world's out there just living their best holiday life at a pub, at a tavern, at a you know. But we are like, if I look at the room that David Motter's in, it looks like he's it's a timeout room. This is his podcast studio. This looks like his family <laughs> put him there. It could be you know he could be right. I don't know. I, I don't want to bag on him, but uh, Colby Mead from the Colby Cast. And remember what I said about the thing earlier. We're not telling it. He's going to have to listen to the whole show. 
up until this point to figure out what's going on. So if, like if you ever like you ever worry about coming into a show halfway through, yes, uh this no. Um I knew Colby what you know was Why, why was, are we shaming him unnecessarily? <laughs> I laid an I put out an easter egg there and buddy is it going to bear fruit in a little bit but we we're, I'm not I'm not telling him. I'm I'm so dying not to tell him. <laughs> um but anyway, I'm so happy that Colby Mead from the Colby cast is here. And this is kind of what I was wanting, right? Because we have folks from different podcasts who tackled Ahsoka and Colby, you know, Colby, Luke and Caleb, his two boys, uh, there's precious little they don't talk about. And I, I sit, as I sit there and I'm listening to, you know, Colby cast going, you know, my kids and I don't talk this much. Um, so it's like, it's really fun. And, but it also, you see that generational, right? We talked before about, you know, in, you know like when the kids either came and left the train uh, but at this point, you know, what's nice is that Colby has that weekly talk where he kind of re-engages with the kids and, and you get, you know, it's not, it's not, you guys are not always in lockstep, obviously, but it is kind of interesting as far as like, you know, one son will watch it on a small screen. One likes to watch, you know, like, and, and talk about that. But Colby, we're kind of like going over some of our sort of, you know, like lingering questions on, on on Ahsoka, I am kind of curious because I do want to catch you up to this. I am curious, your expectations for this series were they met? Did they fall short, or were you just like, man, this is awesome? I am kind of curious when we kind of before we jump back into it, how how did Ahsoka kind of land as far as your expectations? Well, first, let me say hello to everybody. Good to see you all. It's uh, it's it's really cool to sit here on a Friday night and talk to some great friends about something that I really enjoyed. Uh, and secondly, um, coming in, not having any idea what's going on. That's sort of the thesis of the Colby cast. Like we just <laughs> don't know what's going on most of the time. And that's like our whole thing. So I feel right, right at home. Uh, and to answer your question, uh, it met my expectations because if you've heard me talk for more than probably five or six seconds, I like to brag about not having any expectations. I really try hard to go into most things that I find in my entertainment world um, or that is there to entertain me, not to have much ex much of an expectation because I, I've i been sort of in like in on the MCU from, from very early on and I went down this really long road of consuming every little piece of information that I could get my hands on and, and I found that it really... Um, interfered with my enjoyment of the films as they were coming out. I started enjoying them less and less. So I started to sort of tail back on that and say, you know what? I'm just going to ride the roller coaster. I'm not going to try to drive the roller coaster. I'm going to try to go into everything with as few expectations as possible. Um, so I'm pleased a lot. It just sort of works. And uh, <laughs> this is the case with Ahsoka. Although I will say that uh, she is part of my three-headed monster, which I can never commit to a favorite Star Wars character. I call Luke Soka Kenobi. Uh, she's right there as part of the Trinity. And whatever is on my screen will de determine who my favorite character is at that point. Um, so I do hold her in high, high, high regard. With that said, I, I did enjoy uh, practically every moment of of the of the show. I felt like it may have peaked somewhere in the middle and then sort of went into setup mode for the last few, the last couple. But I'm okay with that because, like I said, big MCU fan, I'm sort of used to that whole setup angle of things. Um, so I enjoy the route that they're taking. 
uh, with telling these interconnected stories in this New Republic timeline. And I think Ahsoka uh, accomplished a lot of things, which I'm sure we'll get into more details. But overall, I could not wait for the next episode to come out on a weekly basis. It's just, And then I consumed the music as much as I could, which for a long time, it was just the in credits track that was out there, right, for the longest time. <laughs> uh, literally listened to that on the way home from work, on the way to work, and just... I can't wait for the next episode. So yeah, I, it, it was thrilling to me. I loved seeing it on the screen and I enjoyed it. Excellent. Jenna, I'm going to kick it to you for the next question. Uh, what's a lingering, what's a lingering thing that's either bothering you or you have questions about or a comment on something that uh, you want to throw to the panel? Um, sure. Well, so my absolute favorite thing about, this series so far has been how it leans into the mythology and the lore of star Wars um, and, and the sort of mysticism of it. And so my question is why were the witches of Dathomir so central to the story that the series mm-hmm. is telling? Mm-hmm. And you could take that in the wild speculation territory you can sort of reflect on about what we saw and sort of like how they're how they're used and how they're presented in the story whatever you want to do i'll go uh so thinking about why they're there i think that's a really excellent question to ask and you know it it is an interesting narrative problem that we have seen almost everything the force can do for a jedi and you know, when we go to places like the High Republic or even into the Legends canon, there's a little bit of creep. Powers get a little bigger, powers shift a little bit, but it's kind of the same old set of powers. And so I think what the Dathomiri witches bring to this is an expansion of what the Force can do and what we can expect in this universe. And you know, um, among other things on Star Wars to-do list, I think is bringing some freshness to the property that people want to see something new and something different. And so the magic realm, I think, is a bold way to go. Um, I, I I, would have said, again, maybe I'm just bad at predicting, but I would have said fans would have pushed back harder on the the kind of witch magic because it is a different type of thing. Uh, we were talking about the Ewoks cartoon earlier and the Ewoks movie. I mean, there's a lot of thought that that was the first Dathomiri witch we ever saw was uh, Morgana on Endor. I can't remember her name. Oh, that yeah. might be right. Uh, from, from the Ewok movie who turns into a bird. Um, but uh, so I think there is an interesting way to expand on what we can see visually. The the sword of Talzin was really spectacular. The zombie troopers were really spectacular. Um, so I suspect that that's part of the motivation. Um, I will say, I don't know where everybody else on the panel is at, but I played every minute of the Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor games. And there's a very prominent Dathomiri witch in those uh, games and in the tie-in novel. And it's a really wonderful character. Her name is Marin. And um, so it's very interesting to me, kind of piggybacking on Jen's question, that there are different places the Sith witch, the the Dathomiri are are coming up a lot now. And I wonder if there's a bigger initiative at foot. Um, we know there's been a, a little promotion for Mr. Filoni, right? And that he is now the chief creative officer. And um, I think he was very clear that he's not dictating where anybody goes, but he is making sure all of the pieces work together. Um, and I, I think that's a fantastic role for him. And I, I suspect this could be a part of it. Um, 
Oh, and I'll, I'll greet Colby while he's on. Colby, uh, I was thinking, you know, I'm always amazed that you and the boys cover as much as you do. I think of you as these characters. Um, you probably aren't familiar with them, but you like spray silver spray paint just all over your mouth and you go just a little wild and you just attack your content. And it just, it reminds me so much of uh, like the vigor you all bring to your work. It's just, it's incredible. So tossing that in, but then we'll throw it back to the Sith Witches. Well, I thank you for the compliment, and really, it's just a ploy to um, trick my kids to keep talking to me, and we record it. So, <laughs> I told them it's a podcast, but it's really just selfish. You know, they're in their twenties. Uh, what twenty-year-old kid pays attention to the parents? Not mine. <laughs> but no. we, um, <laughs> we, I've, I've devised a very uh, fun way of keeping them talking to me. Just kidding. They're, they're great kids, and they, they're, they're good boys. Um, I, I'll take a swing at this, and and I do agree with mo most of what you said, um, Greg, which is to expand the lore of Star Wars. When I first saw the Knights Sisters in Clone Wars, I didn't know what to handle. I didn't know what to, what to take of it. I could, was like, what is going on here? But I, the more I watched it, the more I realized what the Clone Wars was doing, which was just blowing this universe open. And the fact, but that sort of always existed just in that animated corner, right? We didn't really get too many of those threads and and kind of things in, in the live action properties, but now we are. And really, for me, it goes all the way back to, it just goes to Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni says, hey, I'm the guy. I'm going to show you what I got. And the Night Sisters is part of what I got. And we're, we're, we're running with this. And I think it goes hand in hand with taking us to another galaxy, introducing Peridia. It, it breathes a breath of fresh air and unexpectedness into the Star Wars galaxy. We don't know you know, as big as the galaxy is, they probably could have stayed in it and explored some areas that we previously haven't gone to. But I guess, you know, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but it did start to feel a little claustrophobic, right? We were going to Tatooine, like pretty much every other episode of these <laughs> things. And and I'm okay with that. I love Tatooine. It's fine. But now we're going, we've, we've introduced this entire concept of another uh, another galaxy and the Night Witches are there. Um, it just sort of blows it out and makes it completely unexpected. So that's really my take on it. David, you and Aaron just did a whole episode on the Night Sisters. So I am really curious uh, to let you dive into this one. Yeah. Yeah. Before we did our vintage one uh, two weeks ago, we did it. It was supposed to be back just before Halloween. It was, we thought it'd be a great one to do like, you know, witches, oh my, you know, witches of death and all this stuff. But, um, you know, as Jen was asking that, the thing that started rolling through my mind was how, uh, well, we, well, Jen and Greg were talking about this, the timeline. And, and of course, you know, Filoni and crew have to account for where is Thrawn, where is Ezra, where are all these people during the original trilogy? And so when Filoni shoots, you know, um, uh, uh, Thrawn and Ezra off to another galaxy, um, this is the storytelling device, right, to keep them out of that whole timeline. And and just like Greg mentioned, um, it, it, it's, it, it opens up a way to have them out there. And then how do you get them to come back from this other galaxy? And, of course, we hear of these three witches communing with uh, Morgan Elsbeth and stuff like that. And so it seems like a way for Flona to use something that they did develop uh, during uh, the Clone Wars um, uh, as a way to uh, explain all this, explain why they're not part of the big galactic civil war and a way to get them to come back. And 
as all of us on this call saw, you know, they end it right there at Dathomir and now they leave it open to, you know, what's in the coffins that they were bringing back. So I guess like, like Colby was just saying, here's the setup for the next thing, but those witches seem to, to allow for it. And um, so those just some of my thoughts. You know, it's interesting because we started off in, in doing the rewatch, you know, going back to that, the first place that, you know, that Ahsoka is looking for the map. And then you see, you know, you clearly see, you know, it's a night sister, night witch type, you know, settlement or city or whatnot. And then you go to what they, I, I, I had to write this down, like the CTOS, the reflex point, which is where they put the, the, the map that gets them to the other galaxy. And now you've got Peridia when you have all those statues, you know, those humongous, you know, night sister statues. And then we kind of end up on Dathomir and you're like, wow, this, they had a huge foothold. Uh, but we've never, you know, unless you really deep dived into some of the Clone Wars, you're unfamiliar with this. And I do think that the Night Sisters do kind of give them a blank slate to go, you know what, we've really kind of ran the Jedi into the ground or, you know, like we're, we're pretty familiar with, you know, Jedis and temples and what happens later and all that. But they kind of get to start over, I think, a little bit with the Night Sisters and also the fact that most of them were wiped out in the Clone Wars with the exception of the one that that shows up in you know Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, good on you, Greg, for doing that. And uh, I'm, I, I can't wait for Survivor to come to the PS4 so I can continue killing off Cal Kestis. Um, but that's another that's a topic for another show. Um, but, yeah, it, it is kind of fun to see that and to kind of let them kind of go to town. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, for me, when I first saw the Mortis Trilogy one, you know, it was a tough one to swallow. You know, I think I had a little easier time with the world between worlds, but the Mortis one, we're like, mm, okay. But now you go, oh, wow. Maybe now that I see Mortis in stone, you go, all right. So it, it's, you know, maybe the Night Sisters is this gateway drug to going, you know what? You know, stuff's going to get weird, kids, and let's go along for the ride. <laughs> but that's that's how I kind of You know, only, if we only had... You know, a a doctor, uh, a professor in writing that could answer her own question. You know, on the call that might you know might <laughs> clue us in. I, I feel like there may have been, you know, something that uh, that could be said about Just this. Right there. I was hoping there were enough of us here. I wouldn't have to answer my own question, but okay, here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I I've been thinking about this question a lot, and that, you know, with most interesting things, there's more than one answer potentially. And I think one potential answer is. Everything that ever you've all you all have said that this is this is Filoni's sort of like this is the space that he's created for himself, right, to create something new. And I think you know, especially after the criticism of the sequel trilogy, that so much of it just is sort of retreading the original trilogy in terms of the plot and and certain touchstones, right? Uh, I think you know he probably was feeling a lot of pressure to be like, how do we how do we make Star Wars new after all these stories and all you know all the things that we know about it and love about it? How how do we make it new but still make it true to itself? And I think this is a really good way to do that, as everyone has already said. So there's that. Uh and I and I do think that, you know, what you brought up, uh, Greg, about Mortis and sort of like how how it's like these Clone Wars, these vestiges of the Clone Wars are sort of all kind of tied together. I think that's actually probably the main thing that makes this show deserving of the title Ahsoka mm. because Ahsoka is the connective tissue between all of those things, right? Like mm. she is the one who that's what takes us from Clone Wars to Rebels is her, right? Like where where you know because she you know gets is brought back to life by the light of the daughter and then has 
uh, Mirai following her around, right? That's that brings us to Rebels, right? Like that's the connective tissue between Clone Wars and Rebels when she shows up and we and and the world between worlds, and then now here with all the stuff going on in this show. And so I think, you know, I think Filoni is very smartly sort of seeing that through line and being like Ahsoka is the best character through which to to crack open the Star Wars universe, right? Because she has all these connections to to sort of mystical things. And um and then, you know, my more kind of TV critic brain is like Dave Filoni just really likes Game of Thrones. <laughs> so <laughs> um which which i think he and favreau have been quoted multiple times like that as like they referenced game of thrones as not necessarily as a direct inspiration uh i don't think they've admitted to that necessarily but that the the type of story the game of thrones is telling is one that they are also interested in and sort of modeling certain things after right um especially in terms of structure and like we go to different places at different times and people kind of break apart and come back together uh, but i think with the witches of dathomir in particular if you if you go back to game of thrones george r, r. martin has this like cocktail of grounded political intrigue and fantasy right because we have like the different houses sort of vying uh, and i'm gonna try really hard not to spoil game of thrones while i say this but you know they with the different houses sort of like all fighting for the throne it's called the game of thrones for a reason people are willing to kill each other to to be on the throne and and, and that room to me is the parallel to the new republic right like after the events of the Retur of return of the jedi everyone's kind of scrambling for power no one really knows what they're doing right and there's this kind of opening right that the, either the empire can come back or the new republic can kind of get their act together and so i think that's a parallel to that but then if you think about the the witches uh in game of thrones like mostly through the, this character called melisandra and the 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 red witches and the Lord of Light, and there's all these, there's a lot of stuff. Um, but there's also uh, ice zombies, <laughs> right? And so, like, George R. R. Martin is basically like, let me give you this, like, really grounded political uh, uh, intrigue, and then I'm just going to sprinkle a bunch of crazy fantasy stuff in there, right? And I feel like this is the sort of similar formula that we're getting, where it's like the story set in the New Republic with all the sort of pol all the politics that are involved that we've seen between Mando and the show so far and then we're, we've got zombie stormtroopers and witches right we're just sprinkling okay. those in uh to to make it to make it fantasy so um so that's sort of like those are different different thoughts that i had um good question good question greg did you have uh did you ha are you are you next on the list as far as do you have some questions burning content uh con uh, do you have do you have something to say uh <laughs> What say you? <laughs> yeah, first of all, how dare you? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, the question I was mulling over, um, Colby accidentally kind of answered. We'll count it as a steal in classic breakfast rules, but Fair. I still want to ask it because I want to hear Colby expand on his thoughts more or, um, you know, and what the other panelists have to say. But something I'm really curious about is the what effect um peridia being in another galaxy has on our star wars storytelling and i think i used this on our finale discussion uh greg uh but i i think this is a really bold move and you know um i think the i believe it was episode six that started with hu yang actually invoking the title crawl and 
the episode being called Far, Far Away was this kind of magical moment. And I do wonder kind of what we're doing out here. And, um, you know, to Colby's point, um, there were other places in the galaxy that are still unexplored. And, you know, whenever they need a planet in a book or a comic or what have you, they just throw a new one in. Um, They don't necessarily always go back to the same places. But we ended up going somewhere, and I will say my imagination went wild. Like, what are we going to see? What could this possibly be? And what we ended up getting on Peridia is pretty much stuff we've seen in our own galaxy. It wasn't wildly different, I would say. So so my question for the panel is, why did we go to another galaxy? And uh, what effect do you think this has on Star Wars kind of long term? Hmm. I'll hop in there and I'm actually going to piggyback on something that David said, which was um, Filoni needed to put Thrawn and Ezra somewhere (laughs) and it needed to be far, far away, right? Then uh, then what could be explained? So I think another galaxy is a convenient and interesting uh, way to get them off the map, like literally off the map and onto a completely different map. So that's the more practical uh, type of thing. I, I'm going to agree with you, Greg. Also, I was a little underwhelmed with Peridia. Like I was, I guess my whole expectations thing didn't really work very much from the, during the <laughs> week from that episode to the next one, which was like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to see in my mind? Like we've seen Mortis. Mortis is such a trip. Like you've got mm. the whole planet is dying and rebirthing itself with the, with the seasons and with the sun and the dark and, I was like, what are we going to see? And then we sort of just show up and it's a barren, empty planet with some cool little turtle noty people, which I love. And, um, you know, the the castle thing was cool too. The the band of marauders, all good stuff. Didn't really blow my mind. So what did blow my mind was at the end when he's standing, you know, when Balin is standing on the hand of the father, like, okay, pointing somewhere. The last time we saw the father pointing some at something, it sort of changed Star Wars forever and it was pointing towards the world between worlds, right? So, and that is a drastic uh, plot device that is now, I, I love the thing. Uh, and he was the one pointing at it. So, what is he pointing at? Is it more of a radical Peridia that we just haven't seen yet? Um, but really, the practical reason for this to exist is, you know, to get, to get them off the map. Uh, it, it may not be that sexy, but it worked. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of like what, what Greg is is uh, is kind of alluding to. I think is like when you go on vacation to another country and you see a McDonald's. There is a comfort level there, <laughs> but there is just a hint of disappointment. Going, oh, yes, that's an option. I guess we could go there. I'm going to see yeah. some of the things I've seen, but I really should be somewhere else. But I I do think that. Um, Peridia, yes, could have been a little more weirder, and that's what I really hope if we get the second chapter of Ahsoka, that spending some time on Peridia, and we can get to you know, we can get to part of like maybe what what's to come on there. But you're right, I I do think it you know like maybe and maybe budgetary constraints, you know there there is that comfort level of oh Night Sisters here too, cool, you know that, but you know could could have gotten a little could have gotten a little weirder, yes. But when you see when you when you see the statues of the father 
and the son and what's left of, of the daughter, you go, okay, this could be, this could be gravy right here. Uh, because it, you know, like this may not be, you know, like where, you know, the Mortis trilogy took place in that realm, but certainly I, we could get a little taste of it. And maybe that's what, you know, Balin's skull and wow, we made it uh, almost an hour and a half without talking about, you know, Ray Stevenson and the awesome job he did. And that's one of the things in, in doing the rewatch, you know, every time that guy gets on screen, I am just glued to the TV. As a matter of fact, I forgot half of what Colby was talking about because uh, he, he appears on the screen. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and I'm like, Because you're second screening us while we're doing this conversation. <laughs> yes. The trick movie. is, as episode eight is going on, is will this podcast finish? What's going to finish first? Episode eight that's <laughs> playing right now or this conversation? Uh, I give it even odds at this point uh, as the towel goes. So, yeah, you all have to stay here until it's done. Then I can officially begin my, my take of how I feel about the season. I just have to catch up to the season ending. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it could have been a little weirder. Um, you're right, and I do. Uh, going back to talking about claustrophobic, you know, feelings in the existing in our existing Star Wars galaxy, that you know they have they've you know between now and the High Republic and all these things that have gone on, it just seems that that galaxy is getting a little small, and that you know if you can be on one side or the other, you know, like you know Tatooine was supposed to be in the middle of nowhere, and it's you know it's it's old hat now. So I don't mind them going somewhere because, yeah, you might be running out of space. And just like anything else, like, you know, heck, you know, anytime they come up with a new character, that's just more gravy for Disney Corp to create, you know. Yeah, you, th- you think the Funkos that are gracing Colby's, uh, you know, like shelf behind him, and don't think I didn't see those because uh, they're mm-hmm. awesome. Um, you know, man, all the money's going back to them. They create these characters. And the more they create and the more that catch on, you know, it's good, it's good profit in them. Except Wade. Wade, unfortunately, didn't really create a whole lot for the. Uh, he he. Um. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, here's a payoff, Greg. If if you watched our our coverage of of Kenobi, you know we we made a lot of hay of Wade. But you know who played Wade? And I didn't find out until this recent um, release of Star Wars Finest. One writer McLaughlin. Yes, you heard that first. And guess who's probably going to be <laughs> rainbowing that guy's autographs? This guy right here, because I'm like, I've been making fun of Wade and his family. Somehow connected, same spelling and all that. Mm. So there we go. There's mm. there's a payoff. For those of you longtime listeners, I know there's like three at least, and maybe they're all on this panel. And they're all on this call, yeah. They're all on this call. So there you go. Go back now and watch. you got to watch Kenobi. I know, I know Greg's going to probably watch it tomorrow. Because it's Saturday, and what else are you going to do? I'm going to watch Kenobi. But now you can say, Ryder McLaughlin, Wade, rest in peace. And yes, I'm picking up an auto. You heard it here first, anyway. <laughs> I uh, I just picked up the new Dawn of the Rebellion uh, visual guide, which is excellent. And it covers Kenobi and Andor. And uh, so I'll, I'll look for some Wade material for you and, and send that along. Wade needs some love. Anyway. To try to get back to the question. Nah, why, um, why, why, why? <laughs> what are you in a hurry for? You're only in, you're only in 90 well, minutes, right? I mean, come on, it's nothing. <laughs> this may, this may uh, place a little too much burden on what we have not yet seen. But uh, my response to the the idea that like Pridia just kind of looked like the rolling hills of, of Northern <laughs> California or something like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and was not visually particularly mind boggling in the way that maybe we would have expected. I would remind everyone that while the episodes were not showing uh, us how crazy Peridia is, 
which, you know, as a writing teacher is not ideal. Uh, but Balin is telling us every, so frequently, he's calling it the lands of dreams and madness. And so I feel like, and again, this is pinning a lot of hopes on on a season two, but I feel like he knows something we don't in terms of like how Peridia is actually in what way it is wild and the land of dreams and madness. So, so that's what I'm hoping for is that, you know, but that's a big question mark, right? Because unfortunately, Ray Stevenson no longer with us, though Dave Filoni, I think, has said in interviews that he would like to continue Balan's story. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Um, who hasn't had a chance to throw in uh, a question yet to the group? I think... We're all good. Colby, did did you get a chance? You got a chance to run your question, right? I don't know. I just show up and start yammering. So <laughs> was there a question in there? Um, I do have a question. And and since we're talking about Peridia, I'll, I'll stick with it. it. Whether it's in a season two or just further storytelling through the Dave Filoni movie that we know is confirmed to come out or some other series um i'm looking at you skeleton crew or a potential season four mandalorian whatever because we know you know once um once mando showed up in book of boba fett i'm like all bets are off be ready because anybody could show up at any time and have very uh, you know important plot points to introduce <laughs> so pay attention so my question is how long will our will our heroes stay on peridia because they've taken these two massive characters very important to the sort of to this whole time frame and put them off the map like Ezra and Thrawn and in exchange have brought Ezra and Thrawn back in and put them in play so you know what's your opinion what do you think are we gonna is it going to be uh, a throwaway scene in in uh in the middle of an episode of some other show or are we gonna get some kind of established uh, meaningful storytelling on Peridia and potentially a season two of Ahsoka. Who wants to chime in on this one? It's a good question. This Colby well, takes a long time. I was going to say, well, thank you, Colby, for joining us tonight. Uh, it's lovely to talk <laughs> with you again. And uh, better luck next time on your question to get a rise out of this group. Friday, I'm telling Thanks you. I mean, I was, I was just talking, so I was going to wait. But. I want I want to hear David. We we've been yeah well in. yeah you know you know I I, I guess I can't I, I want to pull in what Jen said and I just when she said it I thought oh my gosh yeah not only is it to keep Thrawn and Ezra um, off the playing board but when Jen talked about how and she, I, I think you nailed it Jen related to the sequel trilogy i mean even jj said we had to go back to go forward we just the force awakens is a a a, a remake of of a new hope right i mean he, he's even said it um so then to make fresh new um exciting stuff you know i i i think again i'm going to bring something else jen said was the pressure on feloni to open this up and do something different and he's done that so then to pull it into what Colby was asking, and I think then address what Greg said, and we've all said it because I just was in Southern California and Northern California in July. And yeah, it, it looked a lot like the kind of the rolling hills of, <laughs> of uh, California as I was driving to San Francisco. 
Um, I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to go there and do it. Like I was going back to uh, a Mandalorian season three and I thought, wait, they're going to spend the whole season to get us down to the minds of Mandalore. And all of a sudden, boom, we're there. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? You know? So that's like, so when Kobe was asking that, I was like, Oh wait, they could, they could do this really fast <laughs> or drag it out. <laughs> I hope they do something cinematic and have it be something more there on pretty i would love to see them explore that more you know like we said we see the the father pointing and we see this what like uh it almost feels like uh lord of the rings like uh a soren kind of like light there that we see and gosh if we can go explore that could that be really the fantasy and just really the explosion of really cool kinds of stuff like we saw in mortis blowing your mind i would love to see that versus Kind of like you said, Colby, a quick kind of, oh, boom, you know, the Purgle came by and, you know, um, uh, Ahsoka and Sabina are, are, are back in the known galaxy and stuff like that. So I I, I hope it's that. Um, it might be predicated on the money that Filoni has. Is it TV or, you know, series or is it uh, uh, the movie? If it's the movie, I think he could really explore some really beautiful stuff that comes out of his mind there on Peridia. I want to I want to tack on to what David said. Do you think that in the current climate you could get away with the second maybe a second half of this series being totally on Peridia between Sabine and Ahsoka? Have they ha, do we have enough capital that we could just be happy with that being its own series and then at the end somehow they get they they go back that they they take a Purgle Uber back to the main galaxy and then let Ezra and Thrawn be in the movie or, you know, in the middle of Mando season four or something. What do you guys feel about, about that? Could you live, could you be, could you be happy? Do you think the star Wars, you know, community, we're not happy with anything. Um, but you know, could you think they could pull it off in, in the current climate of uh, boy, this uh, boy, this whole streaming thing doesn't make a lot of money. I'd say that's the perfect setup for, the Mandoverse movie that we're supposedly getting because what better way to have an Avengers style Hail Mary than Ahsoka and Sabine returning all of a sudden with some with some newfound knowledge of the force or like uh, or whatever mm -hmm. whatever's going because so I can definitely see in the Ahsoka show us mostly staying on Peridia and then following Sabine and Ahsoka Sabine you know sort of levels up her relationship with the force and meanwhile Balin is like looking for whatever crazy thing he's looking for and that they kind of like the end the net result of that that arc is oh we now have some crazy powerful artifact or we now understand something we never understood before about the force and then they pop back take a, you know where they're just one purgle hop away from going back to the conflict with thrawn which will have been ongoing probably in the mandalorian so i feel like i don't know i see the pieces fitting together i hope that we spend that kind of time on peridia and what gives me hope that we will is the whole Balin skull at, at, you know angle right because he's there he's not looking to get out of there maybe maybe mm -hmm. sabine is and i don't even know if ahsoka is because of that really i love the line where she says we're right where we need to be it just shows us where she's at um but the whole storyline of what Balin is after is what i'm hoping we can see explored in a meaningful way not just an episode or two but like yeah get into that because i'm just i'm you know I'm, I'm a selfish star wars fan give me more star wars i'm just gonna watch all of it so 
that's what makes me hopeful that we'll spend some meaningful time on Peridia. And yeah, that idea of the payoff in the Mandoverse movie with that kind of like, like I want portals and everything, you know, I want like Ahsoka talking to Ezra and being like on your left, you know, and like, I'll just jump out of my seat. Right. So yes, I'm hoping someone that is writing that listens, Jen, cause that's genius. These takes are free. So what do you think, Greg? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, this is so dangerous. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but uh, it just feels like I think it's even bigger than that. So Dave Filoni's big promotion, this series one, and the very, very confident announcements back in April about these three new movies that we've promised you a lot of things and we're certain we're going to give you these three. I think it's all connected. And I know that that's really dangerous and I don't want to get into an expectations game, but... It seems like so much of what we talk about when we talk about Mortis and hey, just a plug, uh, Dan Z did a series of on the three Mortis episodes, rewatches, and particularly the second one, Altar of Mortis, had uh, Dan talking with Colby of the Colby cast, who you all might know. Um, and they had a third host. That guy was a pass, you know, whatever. He's okay. But the Colby <laughs> Dan content super, is very good. Super handsome dude. Super handsome <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, he I'll was. Tell you so he, a face for podcasting, as too. they say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, so um, those are really interesting episodes to unpack. I am not convinced Peridia is not a kind of dead Mortis. I, I, look, I'm mm. going full tinfoil hat now, wow. right? So Colby was right with what he said earlier <laughs> that um, Mortis was a living world that changed with the days and the nights and the light side and the dark side and all these kind of really mythical wild things. But by the time we get to the end of that arc, um, with the death of the daughter and the son ascendant, um, I think the planet was reflecting those changes. And I'm, you know, and David mentioned the shot. When you look far away and you see something happening on top of a mountain, that looks to me like the father's lair from Mortis, right? Um and very smart podcasters, um, and I this time I don't mean that as a joke. I, it might be somebody <laughs> on the call, I don't remember, pointed out that at the end of the episode, we essentially end on Peridia with the father, um, Anakin, right? The one who will bring balance. The daughter, Ahsoka, and the son, Balin, right? A, a dark uh, figure. There's like a whole bunch of other people too. So it's a little more complicated, but it almost seems like if we are really going deep mythological, there is the rebuilding of the Mortis Trinity here. So I think that that will somehow tie into the James Mangold 25,000 years ago. Um, I, 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 I haven't seen it yet, but James Mangold directed Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. I've heard really good things. Um, so <laughs> you should watch should check it. that one out. Why don't I <laughs> yeah, have my yeah, son? I, I, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think on- I think it's maybe on Disney Plus <laughs> this week. Uh, so uh, so people should check it out. Um, but he put together a fantastic Indiana Jones movie. And, um, you know, it makes me really excited for what he would do with a Star Wars movie. If it's something deeply mythological, we're talking about the origins of the force. There's threads here you could connect and say the force came from Peridia. I'm not going there yet, but. Oh, why not? All of Just that go there. plus. Plus, what if they come back and finish off their business? But what if something follows them? What if, you know, this is wild speculation, but what if um, Shin has been 
developing some kind of warring band, some kind of awful thing. And by the time they make it back to the galaxy, oops, Ray and the new Jedi order have to face this down. So, um, all of these I think are connected because I think star Wars left the sequel trilogy and Lucasfilm left the sequel trilogy with the right lesson, which is we didn't tell bad stories, but people want more connections. People want things like the MCU where everything matters and works together really well. And so the way they came out this year and very confidently announced these movies, these directors, all of this, plus Dave Filoni's promotion, I think people like Dave Filoni are going to be controlling this and fitting all these pieces together somehow. So I I suspect it's all connected. I will do my best to take Colby's message to heart, which is, you know, don't rely on it. Don't be disappointed if it doesn't happen. But I, I really think I think it's even bigger than than we were just talking about. Mm. Well, if I could just jump on the uh, James Mangold love, not only for Dial of Destiny, but, you know, there's this little film that he made called Logan. Some people liked that uh, <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari. He also directed that, you know, that did pretty well. There's another movie called walk the line. He directed. Um, so the man knows how to make excellent stories and tell stories. So the fact that he gets a clean slate that could potentially, Greg, I agree with you. The way that they did this, the way that they announced this did not seem to me like it, it was three separate properties, whether it's going to, connect to each other in the way we're talking about or if it's just going to plant seeds and they're going to see what works and sort of spin its its way into other other directions based on what they did 25,000 years ago I don't know but I I feel like this isn't a trilogy but it's a trilogy in in some force way right and the fact that James Mangold is behind one of them that seems so far removed is very exciting to me. So yeah, I all that to say, I agree with you. Yay, James Mangold, go check out Dial of Destiny. And I like some <laughs> release dates for movies there. I'm done. <laughs> uh, I wanna, uh, Colby's comment reminded me. So I went over to my shelf and grabbed the Star Wars Timelines book, which is another great Star Wars reference book. What is the first date in the book 25,000 years ago, Professor Hu Yang powered up is the first known Ooh. event in the Star Wars timeline. So there's another connection right there, ready to go. We know. And he hasn't said anything this whole time. <laughs> He's worse He's than our two. have some explaining to do. <laughs> David, if I could. David yeah, I was going to say, David, the only thing that I would recommend uh, for future episodes of Star Wars reactions, and when you come back on here, do you see his bookshelf? Do you see Greg's bookshelf? <laughs> I, I want to see in in the podcast in in the Modders Podcast Studio a, a few. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, he's moving. He's moving oh. around. I'm seeing a lot of blank. Oh, there we go. There's the bookshelf. Yeah, there it is. Is this is this the Zoom background that you save for other podcasts? Timelines. Oh. Ah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> So oh, like, I, I, I understand. I, I got to get some. Yeah, no, those are. I'm looking at them right there. Like you're watching the the series. I'm looking at all the books, High Republic <laughs> comics. I got it all. All the reference books. I do need to have it because Jen's got some really cool stuff back there too. I love I that Ahsoka say, poster. Th this room, this room doesn't have any books in it. It only has to plushies and Funko Pops. Basically. Yeah, they're fun. Um, <laughs> they're fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got my Morai and my Loth Wolf and yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, shout out to to Sam. Um, this was from his collection. 
that he he was trying Same to downsize. Same mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Gorgeous. So, Gorgeous. Wait, yeah. if we're doing show and tell on a on a audio podcast, podcast I want to <laughs> I want to show off my newest my newest thing from Galaxy's Edge, which is the Chance Cubes. Mm. Ooh. Nice. I have no nice. zero use for them, but I love them so much. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what I can do to just randomly work them into my day where I can just like, oh, I think we need a chance cube. Roll. Boom. Oh, <laughs> Congratulations. You should make it like, you should just make it like D&D. Like, mm-hmm. am I going to brush my teeth now or in an hour? Roll, roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking well, of D&D, oh, look, Greg. All red. <laughs> Greg, how have you not been on Teachers in the Dungeon? That's about the only podcast mm-hmm. we haven't name dropped tonight. But I'm like with the, the, <laughs> the, the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And by the way, you know, Colby, congratulations on getting your loan approved to get those dice because I'm sure, like, I'm sure that stuff ain't cheap. Um, yeah, if I was to turn off Colby, my virtual I, background, I think, I think you assign the boys red and blue, and every question you ask on the Colby cast, you say who's going to answer it, and then <laughs> I like it, roll it out I and like let it. chance to. <laughs> That'll, like that'll last Either like that one show, it. and they won't do it again. No, they're <laughs> rebels. They're rebels. Here, they're like the mom. Oh, the right. chopper. Um, <laughs> it is kind of interesting, you know. Like, there's what they announced. There's what they set up, and you know, now it seems like we have to kind of pay attention. We've talked about this before about paying attention to financial news and how Disney's doing, because we know that Disney is not shy about shedding things, even if they're profitable. That if they're not getting enough profit and you go you know, like in, in going back to what I was I was curious about, it's like, you know, now I think every show, regardless of whether Filoni is there and everything matches, you know, getting some of the stuff greenlit, you know, thinking of like Acolyte and Skeleton Crew, you know, would they have would they have even been still in production or being done today? You know, now that we have it, it's kind of like it's interesting because this parallels, you know, the, the fanatics purchase of tops. Right. And whereas with top Star Wars cards, because I do a card podcast, I think on occasion, right? Um, that you know, right now there's been you know, as as we got post COVID, and there's you know, they're introducing new things. You know, another shoe's going to drop in a couple years when uh, you know Fanatics gets the basketball license from Panini and, and football, and, and what things are going to change between now and then. So I think the same thing happens with Disney Plus. It's like, how is this stuff going to shake out? And, and thankfully, maybe some of this stuff is along far enough that they will have to commit to keep doing it. But what happens, you know, like now do as Star Wars fans, do we really have to support and, and make sure we go see, you know, we may have to go see these movies like Greg does with Dial of Destiny, which I think he's probably lost count of. There should be a little placard above you saying Dial, Dial of Destiny X number of times. <laughs> I think going forward next year when we do, our, when we get back to doing more shows, I want to see... How many times the count, the Dial of Destiny count? Um, but how, you know, like, will we really have to go and see, you know, the Star Wars movie a fourth time each to make sure that we're giving Disney enough money that they they put that they get this uh, Ahsoka back on or some of these other shows back on the air? How how do you feel as far as like the financial aspects of this and how it impacts the saga we love so much? There's uh, something that's been happening recently that I really like, and I hope that it starts happening more. And there's a lot of these streaming series are now being released on physical media. And I think that's a really good idea. Um, I can't name them off the top of my head, but I think some of the Marvel series have, have been made available for purchase. And 
I honestly don't know how streaming makes any money. I really don't. I'm not even trying to be funny. I don't know besides subscribers, but when you go see a movie, you get to see weekend box office. And then the second weekend, third weekend, you can sort of track, oh, this is very successful or this is moderately successful or no, this is not successful. You can't do, I don't know how to do that with a streaming show. And I don't know how that translates into making more of these streaming shows because I don't know how it makes money. So that's what leads me to a lot of the confusion with, is this series going to get a second season? I don't know how they make those decisions because do we know if the first one made any money? Because we know that's always what the bottom line is, right? It's did this property make money? If it did, we're going to get more of that property. If it didn't, we're not. So I'm, this is, I mean, I think uh, when I had the opportunity to be on Jen's podcast, when we talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy with PT, we had a bit, a very long discussion, as a matter of fact, about like this whole streaming world. You know, I, I just, I don't know how that works. So I don't know what to sort of hang my hat on as far as my hopes of seeing more things. Maybe you guys do. If you do, please let me know because it's sort of stressful, especially as a podcaster <laughs> that talks about everything. That's like, or, oh, we are going to get more House of the Dragon. Excellent. Three years after the fact. But yeah, we are. So are we going to get more? You know, you name it. So um, it's just very confusing to me. And I think maybe it's very confusing to everyone. That's And it was sort of as a result of these strikes, right? This is that was a big part of it. So I don't know if we're going to get any clarity going forward, but I, I just sort of wish as a fan, um, knowing, I, w I wish I could know or at least have a little bit more confidence in what we're going to see down the road. Well said, well said. Um, it's a very interesting moment, um, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Almost everything I'm about to say is gleaned from uh, the Matt Bellany podcast, The Town, which talks about Hollywood economics a lot. And I've learned a lot from that. But essentially, the answer to your question, Colby, is no, nobody's making money off of streaming. It's really uh, everybody's losing uh, money on these. All the companies thought this would be the next big thing. And the pandemic helped a lot. But everybody now is fighting the forces of the what is called the churn which is people who like my household will sign up for hbo for like a month and then turn it off and wait like six months and then turn it on for a month again um i will also say my household we disney plus is one we always do um i just came up um because i signed up for the original mando on a yearly subscription and i just came up and our household decided to switch down to the ad tier i don't know what oh, you wow. all decided to do but the prices were crazy. Um, the the amount you could save by going to the ad tier. I will say this is me using this podcasting grumble. Um, <laughs> it's terribly programmed. I've had it crash on the commercials four or five times. Right, like the the tech side of loading the ads and getting out of it. Um, my wife uh, finally relented to me and we started an Andor rewatch. And I will say they placed the ads nicely, which was an interesting question because to me, it's like this show was crafted without ads. Like, how do you decide where to put them in? Some other streaming services miss the mark. So like a scene will start and you'll be halfway through a line of dialogue and then the ad drops in. And Disney Plus hasn't done that. But as I understand it, because they're not making any money, they purposefully made the the premium tier really, really expensive to try to push people to the ad tier. So I forget, I end up saving a little bit month to month, but paying a little more for the year, I think. 
And the idea is that they're making my subscription money, plus they're making the ad revenue to to supplement and, and build that out. Now, Iger's late, latest comments are very clear. We did too much too fast. And I think across the board, Disney has seen that it diluted the brand this year. So the Little Mermaid live action movie compared to Aladdin or Lion King or any of those other ones, a third of the business or something like that. Elemental, the Pixar movie ended up doing okay, but way off of the last couple. Well, I, I don't know if people count Buzz Lightyear or Lightyear didn't do well, but other Pixar movies do way better. Um, and then the Marvels, uh, most prominently of late, being the lowest grow- grossing Marvel movie of all time. Mm. I think they realized that they are they have created an audience that is accustomed to waiting a month, two months, and then they get it at home. And so you're seeing them stretch that window back out. Uh, again, this film called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny um, came out Never in May it. and it just streaming in December. So that shows you, you know, compared to some of the the windows we were seeing for a while there, which it was down to a month at times, I think, at, at the shortest. So I think that's what you're going to see. They're going to keep some things in theaters, stretch it out longer. But Bob Iger really seems to say that they lost track of quality. And so I think we're going to see fewer streaming projects, fewer theatrical releases from Disney, and only things that they are sure are really high quality. Oh, and I forgot Wish that just came out over Thanksgiving is another example. Um, Pretty good, solid Disney 2D animated, or I guess it's 3D animated movie, um, but did terrible box office because I think families say, I'm paying... 30 bucks a month for Disney plus or whatever it is. I'm going to wait and, and get my streaming there. Um, so, uh, and then Disney remains other than Netflix, Disney remains the most successful at this. And so uh, just while we're thinking about the business, the Paramount pluses, the peacocks, all of those are in even worse shape. And so all those ones that had lots of originals, I think you're going to see fewer and fewer and you're starting to see them sell their content to each other more. Um, uh, you know, I think um, Disney Plus is folding in Hulu, but we have seen them throw some of these shows. Mando was on Hulu for a little while. Um, I don't think ABC ever aired it during the the strike, but CBS was airing Yellowstone and some yeah. of their streaming shows right on the air. Um, and I think ABC might look to do that in the future to try to make as much money or put season one on on ABC, people love Mando, and so they go subscribe to get seasons two and three or things like that. So I think that that's the state of the business as I see it. Jen, what did I miss? <laughs> that was that was pretty comprehensive. I guess the only thing that that maybe I would add to that is that what Colby said about number of views or like the metrics that we use to measure the success of a series. I think streaming really messes with that because I know you know one of the many many issues at stake in the the strikes that just recently ended was this idea of transparency because in order for actors or writers to get paid based on the success of a show right like they would in, in network with network television with residuals you need like the the streaming service has to release to at least some people uh how many people watched a show right to kind of decide okay how much how much of a bonus do you get kind of from from the success of success of this um but that is entirely counter to uh the business model of streaming which we can see with disney plus with between star we are 
it's very rare that we've had any time at all between the next Star Wars or Marvel streaming series, right? Like they're they're like back to back to back to back. So there's no downtime for you to want to cancel, right? Um, and and so like the streaming service makes money from longevity of subscriptions and consistency of subscriptions, which has nothing to do with how many people watched one show at one time, right? Like so. Um, uh, so I think that's part of the the problem in terms of how we gauge the success of some of these things. Um, but to to try to bring it back to Ahsoka, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is that a lot of the critiques of this as an arc of a season of television were because it's sort of this in between meet like in between genre. It's not it's cinematic, which is really great. Like David was saying at the beginning, it's cinematic in the ways that we love Star Wars to be. But at the same time, it's only a certain number of episodes and it has to be eight episodes because if to be cinematic, it costs a lot of money. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's sort of the rock and the hard place that these series are in right now is that they're they're this weird hybrid genre where they're not quite not quite a television series. And they're not quite a movie split in like a split into six parts or whatever. Um, and so I think the storytelling, I think, is still trying to find its footing in terms of like, how does it how does it. Like, what constitutes a good and well-told and well-paced story in that context? Stranger Things. <laughs> Stranger Things has a lot of episodes in one season compared to... to it does, Stranger. and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, right, as as the seasons have gone on. But I do think that it did find the sweet spot between we're not a TV show and we're not a movie. But again, if you look at it, it's a small-scale thing. Uh, especially first season, maybe not the the subsequent ones, but the first season, minimal minimal special effects, um, but excellent storytelling. And I think, and I, I don't want to belabor the point too much and make this Star Wars podcast more of a non-Star Wars, Star Wars episode, but uh, the whole Marvel discussion about what's going on with that, I've been listening and reading and doing a lot of paying attention to that discussion. And it comes down for me, the verdict is, uh, characters and storytelling if you have a good story and you have good characters it really doesn't matter if it's a grand scale an epic or a small scale that's what people want to see people want to see good characters and a good story so if lucasfilm can do it uh with further series and or movies if it has lightsabers in it if it has spaceships if it's got a magical peridia or not just make it a good story and good and good characters and you're going to have success David, I did want to kind of, you know, tack this on as, as, you know, someone who has been podcasting through, you know, like when the Star Wars series was really in another time and place, right? This is kind of in the Disney XD type area, era, or, you know, like Netflix. I, I forget which network did Clone Wars originally air on. Was Cartoon that Network. Cartoon Network. Um, you know, do you feel that it's a little better with, you know, like when it's when it was, there was more gap in between stories, especially if you're doing the kind of content that we're doing. I know that Jen would probably like a little more spaced out time between, especially, you know, especially like trying to do all that we're doing. But I am kind of curious as someone who's kind of been through this, you know, you've been through times where it was just like boom and then boom and then all of a sudden this um, do you feel okay if it goes back to kind of the way it was, where it was maybe a little more time and spaced out between shows? Well, I, I think so. You know, I, I keep thinking as 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 everyone's making such good points. I feel like um, 
I feel like there's so much content and I think, you know, Colby bringing in the whole thing of the MCU, what, what I've, you know, and I'm nowhere near um, the fan that, that, that Colby is. And some of you are of MCU. I've tried to watch all of it, all the series and stuff. I fell off when secret invasion came on. I have not watched Loki season two. Um, people, I just, it's hit critical mass. You know, I feel the same thing with star Wars. How much can people consume? And like Jen said, and, and Colby said it too, how many good stories are there? I think, I don't, I don't you know, Jen and Greg tell me, I, I heard someone, I don't know if it was Kyle Newman, you know, he just, you know, he's just put out a disturbance in the force. He's one of the producers on that. And, you know, we've heard of him, you know, in the Star Wars universe, made fanboys, right? Directed that, um, was just on coffee with Kenobi with Dan. You know, talking about Lauren Legends, uh, Kyle Newman. So he's huge into that. Friends with Sam Witwer, Michael Witwer, all those guys. And uh, I don't know if it was him. I think it is Jen, Greg. Like someone was saying, just to get one movie done is like miraculous. So it's like not even a Star Wars, not even special effects. You know, uh, Colby was mentioning, you know, take all that out. And and I think I, maybe it was a, another director or something like that. Any movie in Hollywood gets done is just it's ridiculous you know how difficult it is and so when you try to do this like i don't know how the mcu it statistically again i'm a clinical psychologist just my statistics train you know i the you know like greg was talking earlier anecdote you know again n of one you know like uh when you think about making a good movie and i think about what is it um uh marvels the, uh, the marvels was what 33rd the 33rd movie and like when i look back at all the movies the bulk of them are just i think outstanding that is just statistically not feasible i mean look at star wars and and then Iger tried to apply the marvel thing to star wars and we had one coming out every year and and i kind of got the feeling from star wars fans it's a different animal than than marvel and the mythology of it right you know and and so like you know here it is um you know jen was killing me with like i was two when when you know he lost were you born in 83 you know yes correct. <laughs> I was like, oh my god you know greg mclaughlin thanks for having me on and feel so old here real fast but no i mean soccer <laughs> I remember three years between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back and between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And I remember in May of opening night of 83, seeing Return of the Jedi on the big screen and thinking, this is it, you know, um, let's enjoy the heck out of it. Now it feels like overkill. I loved uh, 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 Dr. Cass's um, talk about Hollywood. I, all I can see with the streaming services as Dr. Cass was talking is I've, I view like Disney and, and and Paramount and all the ones you mentioned, Greg, where it's like the snake eating its tail. <laughs> and that's the visual in my head with streaming and movie theaters. It's like, wait, how do we have both? And it feels like streaming was initially good, but now it's just like Haunted Mansion. Like I, there was another one. I'm, I'm just going to watch it on Disney plus. I didn't see it in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Another one, you know, uh, uh, wish I didn't go see it. I need to go see some of these, but elemental, I'm going to watch it over Christmas break. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, yeah. What's it, what's it going to take to get, you know, what's it going to take to get viewers, you know, to change habits? Cause I have a feeling that, you know, we're like a big ship, right? It just turns very slowly 
And you're going to have to come with this, with a strategy that, you know, I think if you deliver maybe the next, you know, the next um, season of, you know, Mando and Ahsoka, and you really drive me towards, you know, whatever the Filoni-verse, you know, the, first, the the one that the Mando movie or whatever, and you got Thrawn in there and you got all this going, you know, you build it right. You know, I, I think they really want that first Avengers movie experience. Like, man, we were excited. You know, we sat through Thor to get to Avengers. You know, we sat through Thor 2, sadly, to get to the next Avengers movie. And yes, I did mm-hmm. like Age of Ultron, okay? Don't at me. But still, you know, you want to have that nice balance of, like, I, I want to see some stuff. You know, if I'm going to be paying, like, you know, you, interesting you mentioned that, Greg. You know, I've been thinking about, like, man, my Netflix, I, I could probably put up with some commercials or some of this where mm. it's like, yeah, all this. I don't, I, I dropped Apple TV Plus. I'm like, that's, you know, it's not, it's an extra nine bucks. And now Peacock, which used to be, uh, you could get it if you had a Comcast subscription, well, now it's back to like five bucks a month. It's not a part of, of that. So all these streaming services, you know, they're getting more, exp- they're getting less for them. They're charging more for them. And you're like, man, I'm going to have to make some tough decisions, but maybe I don't mind waiting around for a little bit so that, you know, and, and even just thinking, David, remember how long it was before a new hope made it to TV? You know, on on eight, I think it was ABC. I'm mean, like, it was years before it went on there, and so maybe that's the case where you you know you have it in the theater longer, you wait to release it. I mean, like I just saw, you know, some of the some of the early sermon movies, and that's like, okay, hey, you know, you can you can buy it right now for twenty bucks, you can rent it for whatever, and then eventually it'll come to it. You know, so, but at any rate. Um, as I'm, as I'm, you know, now Disney Plus, speaking of a streaming service, Disney Plus has finished with the Ahsoka as we hit around the two hour mark. <laughs> See how I, I plan this out perfectly, folks. Um, now, now we can start. I finished my Ahsoka rewatch. We can now start the discussion, <laughs> right? Two hours in, y'all got another two hours, right? Um, but, but at any, but at any rate, I, I should probably, I, I should probably start to kind of bring this plane down, uh, before, uh, you know, Greg falls asleep at the desk and you know wake up in the morning going, you know, they, there's a reason, you know, it's like, I don't think that basement as much as the books are there. I don't think it's that comfortable to sleep in. Um, so we, we better land this plane, but, um, and I know that we will have, there'll be some more hot stove. I know I reached out to some folks. And we'll try to get them on maybe another one because I think there's still a lot of uh, meat on this bone to talk about. But I'm not going to put my my current crew here through another hour or two. Uh, I want to get them uh, to get started with their weekend and holidays. But any final thoughts before we kind of bring this to a close? All right. So and it, no. <laughs> I have a final thought. So, I mean. I want to bring it back to Dave Filoni because I think we're in really good hands and I want to us to end on a really, really hopeful note, right? Because I think we've been very fair in terms of assessing what worked and what didn't work about this first season, hopefully what's the first season of Ahsoka. And I think the thing I have to remind myself and what our conversation has reminded me of is that Dave Filoni are, is already primed to do the sort of MCU style long game. Because if you think about all of the animated series... You know, Re- Clone Wars, Rebels, the reactions are largely the same, where people start out being like, oh, this is a fun, like, adventure of the week episode, like, episode by episode, like, th- there's the whole filler debate, right? Like, so so there's that whole conversation. And then 
a finale, like a, ser- a season finale, a series finale would just like wallop you over the head with like, no, I was I was playing this long game this whole time. I planted purgles, right, so that we can have them now, and they're really important, right? Like, um, or purgle, sorry, purgle um, is not pluralized with an S. Uh, I always forget that. <laughs> but uh, and that's the same thing, you know, because we're talking a lot about the MCU kind of as like a comparable uh, storytelling project, and I feel like you know when Greg said we sat through Thor: The Dark World so that we could get to the first Avengers movie, you know. The, you know that's said facetiously but but the the idea that we tell individual smaller stories lord of the dark world is not the best example maybe the first iron man movie right we still we we tell just seemingly discrete stories that stand on their own but then there are little drops that slowly build and build and build over time that's a dave filoni animated series mm. right and so i feel mm. like he's got this <laughs> you know um i didn't write Thousands and thousands of words during Ahsoka, you know, pra- praise, praising his storytelling and 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 talking about his literary influences and 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 film uh, cinematic influences for him not to have this right. Don't, I think. don't make Jen regret um, writing those thousands yeah. and thousands of words. <laughs> I want to jump uh, and piggyback off of that because. It, a couple times in this conversation, I've thought back to the beginning of when Disney purchased Lucasfilm, and I, I'm a big fan of the sequel trilogy. I love the sequel trilogy. My favorite Star Wars movie as a grown adult now is The Last Jedi. I love that movie. Um, were there missteps? Sure. Was there a plan? Questionable. But that's the point. I think that they're now on the other side of that, and they see how important it is to have uh, cohesiveness amongst your creators, have a plan and execute that plan and in my opinion there is no one better suited than dave filoni he he is or potentially could be lucasfilm's kevin feige and we all know how important kevin feige has been to the mcu we have seen the quality of it drop off when he's been less involved because there's just too much right so if dave filoni is going to play that type of role he's the right person and what excites me the most is that he is the direct successor to George Lucas. He studied under George Lucas. He understands what George Lucas was trying to say with Star Wars. And that is super exciting to me. So I think those two facts, they're hopefully them learning the lessons that they've learned over the past 10 years. And now Filoni sort of creating, being the steerer of the creative ship. Um, Bring it on. I'm excited about if it's streaming, if it's movies, if it's both, if it's one or the other, I think it's in good hands. And Jen, I love your analogy of the uh, the animated storytelling, the the sort of the arcs that lead up to something big. That's exactly what the MCU is doing. And we've seen Dave Filoni be super successful at it. And now he's the one that's going to be helping accomplish that on a larger scale. So sign me up. I'm so glad I have a podcast and friends that have podcasts because there's going to be so many opportunities to talk about this stuff. I want to, uh, David invoked um, Kyle Newman a few minutes ago and, and in related to this discussion, well, first of all, people should go see Disturbance in the Force. I think you can rent it now on iTunes or it's it's like a 10 buck uh, purchase. It's a really wild time. Even if you think you know the, the holiday special really well, it's it's just a really fun watch. I got to see it last week in the theater. Um, but one of my favorite things uh, I ever heard Kyle Newman say um, is he was somebody who was, I think, pretty vocal against uh, some of the choices in the the sequel trilogy. But he called out all the like YouTube critic class and said, 
you know what? You can sit here after the fact and really point out what's wrong in a story, but you can't imagine how hard it is in the moment of making a movie to actually see what, what this is adding up to. And, um, National Treasure Jennifer Lawrence was recently on Hot Ones, uh, another National Treasure. And one of the things she talked about was Will Ferrell making Elf. So we're in the holiday, so we can invoke this reference. And if and she pointed out, like, can you imagine being Will Ferrell in that costume, acting that stupid in New York City, <laughs> and just trusting the process that it would work out, that... Favreau would direct it right that you know the the jokes would land and that it would all work and that's like when we talk about the magic of movies which which David also invoked that to me represents that it's like you got to throw at your everything with no idea which stage it's going to get screwed up at and it is so impossible you know I I am very critical of Rise of Skywalker personally I, it just didn't work for me I watched the behind the scenes video of it and I had can see how much love and how much intention went into every mm-hmm. single thing. The poor people digging the trenches to hide the puppets in, in the desert. And it's like, you know, a lifetime of work to, to do that. And then it's like, and then we say from the outside, like, well, the writing didn't, it doesn't mean she's a Palpatine. And, and so like, I do think it's really important that with all these things, we just recognize that it takes really strong creative minds a lot of work and a lot of attention to get it right. And sometimes they're going to miss and that's okay. Uh, and when they hit, it's going to feel all the more better, but it, but it's miraculous that something can get created. Um, you know, one of my favorite movie podcasts is, um, the film cast and every review, if they praise something to the high heavens or they rip the movie to shreds, they always end by saying at the end of the day, isn't it amazing that, fill in the director's name, made a movie. And I do think that's the spirit we should, as Star Wars fans, always take into this because it's so easy to get greedy and it's so easy to nitpick because we are feasting on these these uh, you know great, great shows almost constantly. But to say at the end of it, like, you know, but it's an amazing time to be a Star Wars fan. And maybe this one wasn't for you. Wait an hour. There'll be two more that you can try on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it it will hit sometimes. And and by and large, I mean, like like David said of the, uh, the MCU, like the majority of these Star Wars shows have worked. Um, you know, we don't have a secret invasions in our portfolio yet. Uh, so, uh, sorry, secret invasion was rough. Um, uh, but, uh, if we can find ways to, to make sure we get that quality. And, and so I think Dave Filoni is right. And I do think, um, Kathleen Kennedy deserves a lot of praise as well. She hasn't been perfect throughout the ways, but she's learning and she's the one making these changes and saying, okay, the thing we lacked is cohesion. So let's put somebody in charge of that. And she has a person in charge of kind of money stuff now and a person in charge of the creative stuff. And I think she's going to, you know, continue to lead this company really nicely, despite all the YouTube videos that say she was fired five years ago. Um, She's just not getting the message, I guess. So... I just haven't. I just haven't made my keyframe with the lasers coming out of my eyes. Uh, that, you know, I have a YouTube channel, but you know, I, I don't have that kind of. I, I don't have that kind of chutzpah to do the to the yeah, the keyframes. Um, wow. All I'm going to say as far as this is, you know, when we talked about before about like expectations, this conversation tonight exceeded all my hopes and dreams as far as 
talking about like talking about like you know it's very easy for Greg and I and and when we bring on guests like uh, this this group here uh, to talk about shows in progress or even when we you know, are, are able to do like a recap afterwards but you know talk about sort of this in between this hot stove in the spirit of you know the baseball winter meetings and what happens in between seasons and I do think there's a lot of meat left on this bone um, that I'm going to try to get as as I just uh, saw a, a text from Dan Zare who uh, you know I couldn't get on tonight but we're going to get we're going to get uh, Dan and, and some other folks uh, on here uh, as well. There's just so much. And it's interesting. We didn't even talk about the fact that this was appointment television, right? That that this was one of the first Star Wars Disney Plus series that it was released at X time and X date. And to me, that kind of leads me to believe that, like like you guys have been talking about, lessons are being learned and, and being applied. And yes, You'll get a secret invasion every now and then. Why am I like, I'm not going to not get on that bashing of secret invasion train. However, a lot of hard work went into that series. And the only thing I have to say is thank God it wasn't Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because that was 20 something episodes of many seasons of a superhero series that had no superheroes. And yes, I know Lady Sif was in there. Don't at me. Um, But lessons, (laughs) lessons are being learned. Uh, You know, we know that this is a transitional phase, but I think there's a lot left to go and I do want to kind of uh, more will be picked up because uh, I do like this hot stove format and I, and I love the fact that uh, the audience out there I want to thank you for you know like all the different rides that we're taking you on and all the great people who are in this panel tonight and uh, who have come on and before I do want to uh, thank you know all these folks and it's the holidays is a great time to just say how thankful I am of the group of podcasters and Star Wars and online community friends and, you know, hobby friends and whatnot that, you know, for, for folks like us, it really is really nice when we can get together. And I think this group, you know, I, I love trying to put these pieces together and, and, and when you get them in, it just magic happens like, like something like tonight. And I hope you've really enjoyed uh, listening to this. Like I said, um, I think we could keep on going. I know we could, but I need to get some people to sleep. Uh, I need to get David out of this very this, this very crazy timeout room that he's in because uh, I feel bad because I'm sure they're, they're knocking on their side. Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Is there one way out? Yeah, is there one way out? Is this a panic? Is this like you can blink at any time and just saying like, you know, are you being held <laughs> against your will in this room? <laughs> and do sign language. Get out of here. <laughs> is there somebody we have to pay anyway but let me let me just let uh just want to say just lastly i just want to thank ev- everyone um this i couldn't ask for a better group of friends and online friends and those of you who who aren't here uh love out to you because all the all the all, you know, all the shows that get made uh for my podcasting ears that that go into this and you know, all the stuff that's you know all the blood that comes out of jen's hands when she's typing these long take reviews that that show up in my inbox and all this kind of stuff. I just want to say thank you. And I do want to give a few minutes to you, to, to each of you, to let you tell the audience where they can find you. And um, I know we've got, you know, like I said, this get, this will probably get released pretty soon. But uh, if you have anything coming or um, you're just taking a break for the holidays, let me know what's going on. Um, Colby, uh, since you're on the bottom of my screen, not, not in my heart, but on my screen, um, why don't you go ahead and start... <laughs> Um, in no particular order, uh, let, let people know where they can find you, Luke and Caleb. 
Of course, thank you very much, Greg, for even asking me on. I'm so glad I was able to join uh, this terrific conversation because it really was a terrific conversation with some terrific people. So, number one, it's good to see all of you. You can find the Colby Cast at the Colby Cast on all your podcatchers, Twitter, Instagram, and it's spelled like the cheese, not the basketball player. Uh, it's part of the Cheddar family, <laughs> Colby. Um, and actually, Dr. Cast, you uh, mentioned Elf. That will be the next subject of the Colby cast. We're going to spend an hour or so uh, talking about that movie because it's just phenomenal. What? 20 Uh, years old. Unbelievable. 20th anniversary. And I regret not going (laughs) to see it in the theater when it got, because it got re-released. It may still be out there, Uh, but yeah, phenomenal movie. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that'll be the next one. And um, yeah, you can find us on all your typical places. The Colby cast. Thanks again. It's great to see all of you. Thank you, Colby. David or Jen? Oh, Jen. Sure. Uh, you can find my writing at the longtake.substack.com. Uh, so that that will take you to two things. My written reviews. So any new Marvel or Star Wars uh, series on Disney Plus, I will do a weekly breakdown of those. I try to do other things on top of that. I'm really hoping that once the semester ends, I can I can get a Doctor Who uh, review out there. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to, I really meant to... Uh, last week and then and then just couldn't quite make it there so um hopefully over the holidays i can i can do some catch up but uh you can also find the long take review which is a podcast uh, a film podcast with one eye always on the oscar race uh and that uh, frequently features uh greg Cass here and um we're we're in the thick of award season we're trying to there are more movies than we could possibly see to put out an episode every week um so so if you're if you like film um you can you can check that out. We you can also find follow us at the Long Take Review and find us wherever you get your podcasts. Excellent, David. Yeah, for me, I you know I'm I'm, I'm looking here at my my cheat sheet. There's so many that are listed. Um, I wish it was kind of like Kobe's where it's all at one spot. But I know Facebook and Twitter are at Star Wars Reactions Pod. Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, YouTube are all at Star Wars Reaction. Um, I'm on Instagram, just my name, David Motters. Um, I'm on um, Twitter X at David underscore Motters. And uh, you can find us all on those places. And to back up what Jen said, and and on a positive note, my co-host Aaron Harris, just periodically through any of our recordings, will just say Dave Filoni for president. So it just you know, <laughs> in and backs up what Jen is saying. And we end on a positive note. And yeah, I feel like it's in good hands. And I'm really glad. Uh, Jen um, had us uh, say that. I'm excited. I'm excited. But uh, thanks for having me on. I love being on with you guys. And I love hearing all of you on your podcast. Uh, it's just really cool to record with you guys, too. All right, Greg. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to hang out in my basement <laughs> a lot more. People can come find me here. Uh, the space heater's on. I think it, it was 27 degrees, I think, when I came down here. So we're, we're already in the cold winter. Oh, the Californians did not take that news well just now. Uh, so, uh, let's see. So, uh, uh, thank you so much. As always, a pleasure. Uh, I, uh, I think the next long take review I'll be on is The Boy and the Heron, uh, the new Miyazaki movie, which we will record sometime soon. So just to make Jen's plug a little more specific that that might be the next episode I appear on, at least. Um, 
And then uh, my other podcast project is called Through the Glass Columns, which is a show about the Wheel of Time books. Uh, If you think I sound like a brainy know-it-all on the shows you've heard me on, this is a show where I'm the person who knows nothing and get schooled by my friend who is a Wheel of Time fanatic. And um, we treat it like an online book club. And so we do two chapters a week and all our episodes are always available. So if you are looking for a project for the winter months and want to grab the first Wheel of Time book, you can start out with us. If that's not your speed and you want to talk television, we did a set of episodes in August that were all the Amazon TV episodes of the Wheel of Time. Um, and we're going to do season two pretty soon, as well as book number four. So uh, that project spins on and on. And you can find me on Instagram and threads is my new other secondary Ooh. one, uh, which is Ion Cannon, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N. Not to be confused with the Ion Cannon podcast, which I still get followers uh, thinking that's me. That's not me. Uh, so uh, I'm just Ion Cannon. And if you have questions for the Breakfast Pack, uh, we are on the socials. You can go at Rebel Base Card on Twitter X, on Threads, uh, playing on Blue Sky a little bit, still posting once in a while on Hive, and of course, uh, you know you can find you know, the main channel on Instagram as well. Uh, we will be talking about the uh, release, you know, the Masterwork release, which came out today from Tops, as well as. Uh, some other card goodness, including our, you know, like before we run out of 2023, we are still putting, uh, I still have, I will be recording two, I think two more shows this weekend, but one of them will be on the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, which David Motters was here on part one. Can't wait to release both, but I just wanted to make sure that I had two in the can for you. And uh, we do, ha- we'll, we'll be talking uh, to uh, to a new face, a new artist on who did Masterwork, um, who did uh, Tomorrow. I can't wait to get that interview in the can because uh, I'm excited to get to to get him on and uh, show you some of the work that probably will actually go on the YouTube channel uh, as well um, but at any rate um, I can't believe this went on as long as it did today and it still was just amazing and I love talking to you folks but however for Colby Meat, for David Motters Jen Subchakchai and Greg Cass I am Greg McLaughlin we are now going to return you to your podcast playlist already in progress. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Tops, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. I'm super gluing a lightsaber while we're all sitting here because my lightsaber fell over. I was wondering so. what you were doing. <laughs> I'm totally, Wait, that's not the one I'm you totally just I'm totally going to use it? that, by the way. I don't know where, but I'm using that. I'm using that piece of audio. I'm just telling you straight up.